we're back after I think one week off of the irrelevant podcast. Joined once again by Jason in the season of Lent. What's up? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing tonight, man? You know what? I'm doing great. That's Seems good. to be better than you're doing tonight, but <laughs> no, <I'm> not, <laughs> let's go. I'm fine, dude. It is not a big deal. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you went somewhere, didn't you? And, like, that's why you couldn't do the podcast? Yeah, I was just visiting my parents over the weekend, you know. Okay. Having a break from paying for my own food and driving my own car. It's nice every once in a while. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I recommended to Jason some Taboo, which is classical music. Um, I remember you told me, correct me if I'm mistaken, that you weren't too familiar with classical music in general? For the most part. I mean, I, I know, you know, some of the most famous ones just from movies. So, right. I have a... Uh, I was never really interested in checking out more of it. That's kind of my thing. Okay. So, like, you, you heard, like, the obvious ones? Yeah. Like, you know, massive composers. Obviously, Bach, Beethoven, Vivaldi, Wagner, all that shit. Right. I have a lot of that here, but um, I tried to not do any of... Besides Mozart, I tried to not do any of, like, the obvious picks, you know? Um, I tried to focus more on not not like their obscure stuff, but um, oh, by the way, everybody, I'll, I'll put the link to this to this playlist in the the description. I think it's quite excellent. I'm impressed with myself <laughs> um, with the the collection of classical and baroque music that I was able to compile together. So um, I decided to. Do like I said, not obscure things from these different composers, but stuff that I personally thought was like their best thing without it being like the obvious ones. Like I want I wanted to give you like enough stuff that it was new and like it might not sound like stuff you'd heard before, but then it also still kind of sounds like stuff you'd heard before. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So what did you think? This is going to be interesting. I'll tell you what. Um, So, I have to say, I think this is probably one of the more rougher lessons for me. Um, I think mainly because the harpsichord is, for some reason, just one of those instruments that just doesn't do it for me. And I think it's because it's dated really to the colonial period i think that's the only heyday for this kind of thing um i would i actually have a lot to say about all of this i i really tried to you know turn my analytical mind on but i would say that like this is really probably the furthest out of my wheelhouse for music that i could ever try to enjoy but out of this entire list there's one song that i actually really really love and the one that i would play again and again and again um is on this list and i'll talk about later but Starting off the, so I guess the first five were different harpsichords, harpsichord melodies, and they're all by the English concert and a guy named Trevor Pinnock. So was he playing, 
I'm assuming he's playing. Uh, what composer was he playing? Because I'm not familiar. That was Bach. So Bach is generally considered like the grandfather of like Western music. Um, okay. So I'm trying to give an example. He's like the the Black Sabbath, right, of classical music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, the the first song, like it, it just it sounds too colonial for me. Um, <clears throat> just in general, I don't like the the tone of the harpsichord. I feel like it's a it's not a very dynamic instrument because with a piano you can have a little bit more timbre to the piano, but the harpsichord it's so much higher pitched. Like I don't like higher pitched stringed instruments because you don't. It's the same thing. It's like a comparing a ukulele to a guitar because you can get a ton of sounds out of a guitar, but you can't really do that with a ukulele mainly because it's a shorter scale length, meaning the actual distance between the nut of the guitar to the saddle. So the string tension is very loose, but it's also turned high. So it's this weird dichotomy of like choked out notes. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing in the harpsichord. It's not a very dynamic sounding instrument. So everything you hear from it, it's going to sound very similar. Um, the second one, I like the melody a little bit more. Wait. And I like the... Sorry. What? I needed to put my two cents in about how I feel about the harpsichord. Go ahead. Um, well, it's not exact. It's not like the exact opposite. But um, I thought you were really going to like the harpsichord, especially these Bach um, harpsichord melodies. And I thought you would see... Oh, I don't know if you saw it or not. But I thought you would you would really think it was cool, like the the correlations with with metal and like especially prog metal, a lot of those similar kind of arpeggios that are used. Um, yeah. So and this is and I'll touch about this on some of the songs. Um, it's the fact that it's the focal instrument and the the fact that there's not a lot of rhythm. Like I feel like there needs to be some sort of rhythm instrument underneath of it. And I make a comparison to reggaeton and some of the other songs like that's the same fucking rhythm over and over again but it's a bass slash rhythm percussion it's not the focal point of the song and it's not the main melody of the song so i feel like they're playing the same sort of 16th note eighth note rhythms at a steady like they're some of them are just even the same tempo and so like you have the same timbre of note or the same type of notes that are playing on slightly different melodies and it just doesn't, like I said, I, on the harpsichord, I feel like the dynamic of it's lost because like, I can't even tell different melodies that it's playing sometimes and it just all kind of sounds like it's the same melody because um, like, there's all like... Dun, 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 Like, it just does that the entire time. It kinda... so that's what I'm saying. It's the focal point of the song and there's no other thing that you really can focus on minus the in and outs of the stringed instruments like the cello um, in and out sometimes. Well, so... I know a lot of people would probably say this about anything that they like and they show somebody else. Like, I think this kind of music, and I know I gave you a lot of music, I, I grant you that. It's like, this play is like an hour and a half. Um, it really does require long periods of time just listening to it, like just on repeat. And like, you just kind of eventually just roll with it. And it just kind of takes you away. Like, it's almost like you were talking about the the harpsichord um, and it being like too colonial like for me it is it, it it's it's like the the harpsichord it's almost ethnic in a way like it's you know cuz we, we don't really think about things being like ethnically western like i i guess um but like that's just kind of what I, what i think about i'm like oh yeah that's something like on the world stage that like yeah like the west knows what they're doing 
um was well, very dated to that period because that's the period of when that was happening is like what the 15th to the 18th century i know the colonials was mainly right. like and it but you know, it <coughs> that right but, um, but that's when like it, it gives you those um those images of like you know like that western christendom aesthetic with like the churches right like the gothic cathedrals and also like the you know like the tricorn hats and like the powdered wigs and the, that traditional western european clothing which i think it it just like yeah. I, don't, I don't know like it it it, it, it kind of paints that like i know a lot of people look at that and it's like oh it's boring or and eh, just white people but i think it actually brings that out and shows to people that might think that no this actually this culture has something to offer on the world stage that i think is worthwhile that's just kind of how I see it. Yeah, no, it's it definitely takes skill and talent to do it. But you made the parallel to progressive music, and that's kind of my my point. Like it's like like what's what's why I think it's interesting. You don't like scale the summit because it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. However, with it's scale the summit, ethnic. they have so much other different types because it has the bass doing a simpler melody, and it has a simpler progression on the drums, and there's other like slower down. Like it's not the same type of feel the entire song, but it's the same sort of like if they're shredding you know scales and arpeggios on the guitar, it's kind of doing the same thing on the harpsichord. So it's and it's a lot of neoclassical style too. A lot of neoclassical guitar shredders do kind of the similar thing. Um, well, but the 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 second song, I like the melody a little okay. bit more. On the and then the the cello kind of came in a little bit nice. I'm, I'm a big fan of the cello, kind of whenever it comes. Um, so that one I did like that song a little bit more. The third song it just sounded like a slightly slowed down version of the first song. It's like they took the same song but slowed the tempo down, kind of. And like I said, because the harpsichord is the main thing, it's that's our hearing is that straight note pattern the entire time. But like, um, and okay, no, like, I know backing rhythm behind it. I know it's clear we're never gonna agree on this, just because it's just a matter of preference. But like, you really don't like how the harpsichord sounds. I think it sounds so pretty and relaxing, especially with all of no, the... and that's yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, that's, okay. and that's the, and that's and I can let that slide. Like I like I said, I don't like the trumpet, but there's some songs I like the trumpet in. But the fact that this is the focal point of the entire met, like this is the driving force of the genre, is this main harpsichord melody, and everything else kind of plays around it. That's why, as a song, like it's hard for me to focus on because it's the same type of rhythm and slightly different melodies at very similar tempos throughout most of these songs. But yeah, I mean, the fact that I just don't like the physical sound of the harpsichord because I don't think it's a very dynamic sounding instrument. I just like it doesn't have like different like the notes just like I don't hear like individual. I I hear like the same tone of notes, I guess is what I'm saying. And I I also might be because I don't play it. So I, I can hear different note subtleties on guitar because I play guitar and I hear it on cello. I hear it on other instruments, but like I said, I don't hear it on trumpet, I don't hear it on ukulele, and I don't hear it on harpsichord. There's a certain instruments that don't have the range of frequencies that you can hit on it. It's a very specific stylized sound. Um, same thing with like a drum set versus like a metal drum. Like a metal drum, you know instantly it's a metal drum, and you're going to have you know very specific tones you can't change but you can tune drums you can change the sound the size of the drum makes a difference so it's a more dynamic instrument um so that's kind of the main i think that's why they stopped using harpsichords and they just started using piano for everything like nobody plays a harpsichord anymore they all play piano it's for that same kind of reason right because it's just not a dynamic instrument you can only do one style with it really Uh, yeah that that that's fair but i think the actual style that you can do with it it's just so i'll I guess there there's something 
just kind of magical to me about the harpsichord and the way it sounds like it, it the way it sounds it's almost like this sort of like sparkling fizzy drink like transcribed into music if that makes sense like no other instrument really gives me that kind of feeling it's it's quite a it's really interesting to me um and also like just uh like i like i always talk about i love like seeing you know like like marks and like iconography of like different cultures and stuff like that and things that like construct like a people or a place or a thing or like an idea or like a nation and everything and just not everyone you know some things are better than others but um you know like is when you hear like the mandolin you'll think like oh like that's greece italy like mediterranean kind of stuff and then when you hear like you know like ode you'll think like oh that's like you know middle east saudi arabia all that stuff and then i just think like i was i, I never really thought to myself i'm like okay what's like the equivalent of like okay that's like western europe like germany austria france you know and all that stuff and then i was oh this is it and i think it just it's interesting in that in that aspect yeah i think the cultural and the the cultural aspect is interesting and yeah, that's really it, there's uh -huh. nothing else that's like it so but that that doesn't make it a great sounding thing to my ears that just makes it more interesting if i like it if i think the cultural aspect is interesting um, but yeah, I mean, I even just... like with ethnic stuff, like with the mandolin, I feel the same way about a mandolin, but oh, I don't feel the same shit. way about a node. You don't like the again, mandolin? Because the mandolin, the tension is way too high and you're only hearing a high end frequency of those notes and they're tuned up higher. So like you can play, you can really only strum on the thing and pick it. Like you can do some picked melodies that sound kind of cool, but you know, what you're hearing is what you're going to get. But the ode, also the fact that the ode is fretless, so you can even intonate and do some microtones and you have a lot more things you can tune it to you can tune it lower you can tune it higher that has a longer scale length so you have a chance to hit more frequency of notes so the ode is just a more dynamic instrument than the mandolin that's something certain instruments just have better range than some others do and that's why you can play different styles with it uh, yeah no that's that's a fair point i guess like I, I i mean i am not um thinking about that as much i mean obviously you having said these things does bring you know those kind of things to my attention but um i don't yeah because i i am a big fan of the mandolin i go back and forth of which one i like better mandolin or the ode um but um about like the 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 dynamic stuff like it's the same thing like i i, I have a similar feeling to the mandolin that i do the harpsichord where it's 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 like the cultural ethnic thing and also like just i legitimately do just like how it sounds even if it might be one dimensional. Um, I just like the, like you said, like what you get is what you get is what you're going to get. And I like what I get for that. Um, well, culturally with the mandolin, you have a bunch of other stuff because most people play it in folk or bluegrass. Right. So it's like sometimes true, yeah. it's just a strummer to be like a added, you know, an added little salad to the guitar if they're playing the same rhythm or sometimes they do like a picked melody which is cool but again the main focus is the vocals and then you have the driving rhythm of the bass so like you have a bunch of instruments that come together that you can change between them right it, i mean bluegrass i think is a pretty boring genre i think it's cool at festivals but like i won't sit what? there and listen to bluegrass what, but what is that you, I, like it has a i'm not hmm? i'm not familiar with what that is off the top of my head it's like it's it's like a mixture of country and folk. It's kind of quirky. Um, a lot of people sing in unison. It's really mountainy, kind of like, mountain rednecky. Could you 
give me an example uh, i'm if not we know. can just like, <laughs> i don't know bluegrass music i don't know bluegrass musicians i've just okay. every every festival in virginia i've ever gone to there's just people playing bluegrass some guys on an upright bass going do 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 and then like interesting it's just really fucking interesting um um, but so going back to the fourth one, I like the fourth track a little bit better. Um, the melody kind of reminds me of a RuneScape track. I don't know if you ever played RuneScape, but it's like a medieval fantasy kind of MMO, and it had a, a bunch of medieval sounding tracks on it, and a lot of it were like electronic harpsichord kind of sounds. But they also had a, other synths and other stuff too. But I like the melody on this one. It also kind of sounds like a mer- uh, nursery rhyme, which is interesting. And then the okay. I like the the orchestral swells that came in and out in the background. That was a nice touch in that song. And you said um, you liked the third one, correct? Uh, no, I like the second track. The third track I thought was just a slightly slowed down version of the first song. Oh, I like the um, I I I wanted to point out. I think the um, the third track has a really nice key change into the song. And it, and it becomes almost like a because it's like a happy song, but then the key change it just it becomes like a minor all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was just, a cool part of the song, right? Um, I mean, other than that, I don't think it's as good as the other ones. I still really like it. Obviously, like I wouldn't have picked it, but I really think the fifth song from Bach that I picked, I think that's the best one. Yeah, and I I made the notes like this is the one that I like the best out of the other four. Um, had the rhythm the like constant... you were you were saying was lacking in the other ones. I was I was gonna I wanted to bring yeah. that up, but then I wanted I wanted to wait until we actually arrived to the song. But yeah, like I I, I was like just kind of tapping like my my hand on my car like like a metronome as I was listening to it. Yeah, I mean for me like I'm I'm a rhythmic person. I I learned playing bass. All the metal that I like has insane rhythm. So you know, if if the melody is not going to have a specific rhythm, if it's if it doesn't carry the entire song, or if it's a really catchy melody, like I need the song to be rhythmically catchy. Especially if there's no vocals or nothing going on with any other instruments, like I need some sort of rhythm. But this one, I could see really the big influence with like metal players and the way that the rhythm was constructed and the way that the notes were kind of sound like shredding a little bit. Um, and I was I was thinking about this in the background. I'm like this would be a really good song to add drums to, because like yeah. doing some like cymbal hits on the accents while the fucking cellos are going crazy. I like those little trills that the harpsichord does. It's really, it's delightful. Oh, that is actually the one thing I do like about the harpsichord is the trills that they do. Yeah, I actually really do like that. Sounds cool. Yeah, I mean you can't deny that doesn't sound cool. It just sounds like. You know the 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 soundtrack in like the third Harry Potter movie. Uh, they used a mm. lot of harpsichord in that, and it just kind of it has that really interesting like kind of Shakespearean sound almost. Yeah. It just I yeah I just I really like that cultural aspect to it, like just that. I don't remember. I have to listen to that back. I'm I'm blanking. I'm the only thing that's playing in my head is the fucking theme song, so I can't think of anything yeah, else no, besides that. Yeah, no, it's. Right, no, but the the third Harry Potter soundtrack is actually like probably my favorite movie soundtrack ever. Like, just and I don't even really think of it as like Harry Potter music. Like, I'll just I'll just listen to it, and it's similar to this kind of stuff I showed you. Like, it just it's so cool. Actually, I wouldn't mind yeah. recommending that just just the soundtrack to the Harry Potter three movie. 
I do remember it was slightly interesting, but I, I yeah, and they, don't have too much memory of it. And they, they like John Williams composed a melody to Double Trouble, the lot the thing in Macbeth. Okay. You know, you know, like the double, double, da, 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 that, you know what I'm talking about? No, but it sounds familiar. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so that was Johann Sebastian Bach. Now, the next guy I recommended to you was Johann Christian Bach, who I believe is his son. And this is Virginia Black. The, yes. That the, played this. That played this, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I know it's so, it's so confusing because all this was like recorded, like you know. So it's like, who do you credit it to? <laughs> um, okay, so this um, this is probably going to be the roughest segment. So I I'm trying to find a way to describe this. So you didn't like I, it? <laughs> it just no, I didn't. It just sounded like it was just straight wanking. Like the the notes just felt random. The tempo slowing down and speeding up all the time. It just had like an improvised kind of feel to it. And it just like, there didn't seem like there was any structure to it at all. Especially because there's nothing in the background. You just have to focus on the notes that's playing, right? So like I couldn't really catch a melody really. Like I heard like the notes going up and down. And it just, it just, the whole thing just sounded random. So I think this is my least favorite one on the, on the track. And then... The next one, um, it sounded like the classical version of a slot machine or like an arcade where it's like the when the wheels are spinning and then like the, the sounds kind of speed up. Like, like I, that's just kind of what it sounded like. I refer to like, I love the part where they just like he starts down and just like, I, th- I thought that that sounds excellent. It's 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 one of those things like it sounds cool because it's a technically difficult thing to do, but it's just the it's the equivalent of like somebody like playing really fast on a guitar randomly. Like it's it just, it just doesn't have yeah, any sort I, of structure I, at all. I I just I disagree about the randomness. There's there's something about it I guess that I just see differently. I don't know. Maybe well, obviously it's not random. Like they it's in key and everything, but just like the way that they organize the notes and the rhythm because the it was a constant fucking rhythm. It's like I mean, like they didn't have any sort of a really tension or build or release or anything. Like it just it's constant the entire time for the most part. Right. Um, I guess like a a fair comparison would be like polyrhythmic jazz, and I remember I don't remember what you said you did or did not like that. Um, I would like playing it more than I would like listening to it. Cause like same thing with Mashuga cause Mashuga is pretty much like polyrhythmic metal. It's, it's kind of a hard lesson, but it's really fun to play. And I like the, the concept of polyrhythms inter- interests me and I just like practicing to them. And same thing with Tool. Tool, Tool does more palatable, palatable polyrhythms, mainly more on the drums or like when the guitars sing together. So I I don't I wouldn't sit down and listen to the jazz, but I would like to see it in person or like play like a bass line to it because it's fucking difficult. Like you hear some of those people that play that shit, it's insane. Also to try to keep that in time. So I find polyrhythms interesting, but I, I don't like it is a harder listen because it's hard to catch the groove. It's not catchy. Um you have to be you have to really be creative to make a polyrhythm catchy. And I think Tool does that the best, in my opinion. And so does Meshuggah. But Meshuggah is also a hard listen to to a lot of people. Okay. Okay. But this one, it didn't feel like it was polyrhythms. Like, it was the same rhythm throughout the whole song. I just felt like the notes was just... It just wasn't... I don't know. Just It just... It lacks structure to me. 
I guess all I could say is just listen to it more. I did. I listened to it like three times because I really tried to catch the the beats and the melody and the notes to it. And it's just like, it's it's like the same thing with death metal or a lot of like the brutal death metal. It's like it's like super fast and doesn't really have any sort of flow to it. It's just like right, you just hear that's... the fast notes of the distortion. It's the same kind of thing to me. But but I think it's a similar concept in that that's a very like acquired taste, right? And I know acquired taste doesn't also doesn't necessarily mean like good. Right, but I think I'm not talking about the vocals. I'm just talking about the way that they do the fast notes and the instrumentation of it. Well, not, I know, like being screaming is the acquired taste of it. Well, even so, like just I think the genre as a whole, like death metal, is pretty acquired. I mean, I haven't acquired it. <laughs> well, I think classical is too, because not that many people listen to classical these days. I feel like more people listen to metal than classical. Yeah, no, that that's true. Um, so I mean, they're both in their own right. Right, but and there's also there's also metal that's really catchy, and there's also classical that's really catchy. So it just depends on what you're listening to. Right, and that's but stuff like this. I think is more of a niche. Like I think people that listen to classical music won't listen to stuff like that. Okay, well, yeah, more so than like other famous classical pieces. So yeah, you can I hopefully like you like observed on this thing that like there's multiple different obviously types and like eras of like the classical music blanket term. Right with like oh yeah, and it gets better in the second half of this list too. I just oh that's to, good okay. Just, so there, because you think it's going nowhere, it's definitely going more in a positive direction. It started like it's like a meter; it just keeps going up. Well, it was, as okay. the list goes down. So I guess it was too much Bach, and then now we get into yeah. I think generally speaking, Mozart is much more palatable. Well, his melodies are definitely catchier because right. I can off the top of my head like I can fucking you know res- recite you a Bach or a Mozart melody, but like you know like I think Bach is just too wanky for me. I think that's just what it is. Um, there's there's like this certain quality in Bach's music where it, it almost feels like empirical. I know n- not necessarily like I guess you wouldn't agree with me on the two. Oh no, that wasn't even Bach. That was Johann Christian Bach. Sorry, in Johann Sebastian Bach. A lot of his music, it, it just kind of just intrinsically makes sense. Like, it's just like, yeah, that's good music. You know, like, like you can't like, I, I don't know. There's a certain something like about the way the instruments are used or like the way, I don't know, like, like the melodies are and the way like the, the scales are used where it's like, you might not like it, but I think like it's hard to say like, yes, objectively, this is bad. No, I don't think it's objectively bad. I just think that it's hard to get into if you don't truly appreciate it for what it is. I guess. Um, um, well, because like I said, if you don't like, if you don't care about the cultural aspect and you're just going purely based off of it, how it sounds, you know, that's, I think it takes it takes a little bit more um, attention to really enjoy it. And that's, I mean, that's the case with a lot of music that's an acquired taste or more in a niche genre. You have to really appreciate it or it really has to connect with you or you have to put a lot of critical thinking power into appreciating it. However you enjoy your music, just like however you drink your fucking wine or whatever snobby profession that you're into. Yeah, we... Um, um, it just depends. Yeah, I think you brought that up in the mariachi episode. Um, I think it's a similar, um, a similar yeah. sort of thing can be applied here. Well, it's just like with music in general, like people are just going to different genres are going to resonate with people differently. And I think the more you go into a genre, the more obscure or the more niche that you go into that genre, it takes more attention 
and more appreciation and understanding than it does from stuff on the surface level because like i can listen to a song that sucks but if it's catchy it i can listen to it and it's fine but stuff like this if it's just idly playing in the background it's like i'll never pay attention to it ever i would have to sit down and force myself to really catch something because it's just not a style of music that i generally naturally enjoy so i have to pick out aspects um in general but i think it's hard because like it's there's no driving rhythm in a lot of these songs and that's why it's it's it gets the i hate doing the they all sound the same thing but like this one is very difficult to differentiate between the two especially because all the melodies are fast paced and there's no simple rhythm behind them because like you can have and metal and i'll give you actually here's a perfect example so metal right with the speed chugging riffs a lot of them are the same like you know 16th notes eighth notes 30 seconds, whatever the fuck, or tremolo, right? But the drum pattern changes underneath of them. So, like, when you change the rhythm, it really changes the melody or the notes that are on top of it. It almost feels like it's two different songs, the way the drums change the feel of the song, right? And also, like, you can do different rhythms. Like, you can pretty much do any rhythm you want, and you can lock it down with the bass and the drums. If you go on YouTube and you watch a video of classic songs that like this guy is he's a metal drummer and he he takes classic songs like led zeppelin black sabbath metallica acdc and he changes the drum patterns underneath of the famous songs and sometimes they're almost unrecognizable because they're so different so rhythm is a really big indicator of how your song is going to feel and the structure of it so if you have no defining rhythm your melodies are going to sound the same because they're all playing technically at the same rhythm but you know I can name a hundred metal songs that have the same chugging pattern or a similar chugging pattern, but since the rhythm of the drums is different underneath of it, it's a totally different feel. It's a totally different sounding song. In due so that's time, that's kind of why. In due time, you will enjoy Johann Sebastian Bach. I'll have to do a lot of. I, I'll have to try to play it, which is going to be difficult. I think, like I, I that's get how I get harp the true record, appreciation dude. of it. Was trying to. <laughs> it's probably hard enough on guitar to play. Yeah, well, no, a lot of people can play Bach on guitar, because I mean, it just it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and what I'm saying is like it's just a difficult genre in general. I would just have to get a. That's how honestly how I would get the best appreciation is trying to learn how to play it. Um, well, because um, so something I I wanted to bring up was that um i'm I'm not saying like you have to listen to this in like a person in an orchestra but i it is obviously like some i mean obviously like maybe like context is important like like where you are when you're listening to music what environment you're in obviously um but i it, it i i get a similar feeling i mean i don't know how you listen to this i don't really know how you listen to any of really the music that i recommend but um I don't know, like just like when I listen to this music in the car, like especially like the the stuff, the first five songs, um, it just and like it just I have like it at I have it at like a pretty high volume level, and it's just me and like I have nothing like it just it it's it's very releasing I guess it's very relaxing, it's 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 very like Avatar mode esque I don't know in the sense that like you go and just like see a dragon. Like that's just not necessarily like in that way, but I just feel like it's that similar kind of uh, concept of like a safe haven, you know. That's what I kind of get with this music, and it just kind of makes me makes me think. It makes me 
well, relaxed myself, obviously, but then it also, um, what was I going to say? It makes me think, it makes me relax, it makes me, um, I don't know, like, it's just kind of like when I listen to this music and I'm driving around, it just kind of makes me see everything differently, almost, and it, it, it just, it, and it conjures up images of, like, the culture and land that it comes from, and it, I don't know, like, it just kind of makes me think of, like, this is why I just really like ethnic music a lot, um, not necessarily tied to any specific ethnicity, but... Because like a big part of music is that cultural thing, and and it is supposed to conjure up certain images, right? Because like I hear people say, well, you know, well, it's it's just the music itself, right? All that's all the stuff like all is just like you know like what it brings up and everything. Like it shouldn't have to rely on that. And I'm like, I think it kind of does, right? Because I mean, music is such a huge cultural thing, right? And so when I listen to all of these things, like these different types of music from everywhere in the world, right? It just kind of makes me think of the, like, where I am, where you are, where we all are, like, just the world around me. And I just, like, see the world revolving. It's a very interesting sort of ecstasy I get from, from listening to this music. I mean, that's, I mean, and that's the most important aspect of why music is awesome. Because, you know, I have that same feeling just in many other genres. It's not this. But in terms of the cultural aspect... I feel like today, since we're all connected culturally and there's a bunch of different fusions, like there, and then also because what classical music has developed into, and it's, you know, it's in our popular culture and it's in a lot of movies, right? And a lot, like I said, a lot of metal is inspired not only from blues, but also from classical music as well. So there's just subgenre after subgenre and fusion after fusion. So at some point, the, the cultural aspect is just lost on me because of the fact that everybody can just make something sound interesting from any part of the world. Um, also, I don't really find Western, like, culture that interesting, especially, like, the colonial period. I think that's the most boring period in fucking history, in my opinion, especially with just, like, the way, I don't know, like, I just, I've never been a fan of it. I think I don't th that's just because <laughs> you're Western. <laughs> I don't know. It may be. I don't know again, how like, else it's, to it doesn't, it. The cultural oh. aspect isn't lost on me. Like, I don't care about the cultural aspect of it. I just... I, I'm purely going by well, how it sounds and okay okay so here's how I kind of look at it like it, it honestly makes me listening to this music like it almost like makes me think of like okay how would like 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 this is how like a Chinese person would say because you know because you know we as like Westerners think like oh you know just boring old old-fashioned Western Christian culture but then it's like I'm like okay no how would I look at this through like a Chinese man's eye and like how he will, how would he see our like Western Christian culture? Right. That's just kind of what it makes me think about when I listen to this. So I almost see it in like, like different eyes almost. Because like, I mean, because like, I mean, like I said, like we don't really think of things as being like ethnically Western. Right. But, it, but it, it, it does make me think, okay. I'm like, okay, what do, what do ethnically German people have to offer on the world stage or what do ethnically English people have to offer on the world stage and then stuff like that you know I, I mean I think it's just a difference in how we're wired as people because like you're you're tying a cultural aspect of music I don't really like I find culture interesting and I especially like you know ancient cultures and I like knowing where stuff comes from but when I'm listening to a piece of music like I don't really give a shit where it's from and I 
and I'm like that in general. I'm apathetic to countries and nations and like I don't give a shit what flag you're under kind of thing. So like just difference wise, like I'm, I don't really tie, you know, culture to my music listening experience, especially with something that's instrumental. Like, I mean, it, if I'm listening to something that's um, that like I don't know where it's from culturally and it's just new and interesting, that's more exciting to me because I've never heard it before as opposed to, oh, I need to like this piece of music because I'm interested in the culture that it comes from. So it's like, there's a lot of cultures that interest me. Like, um, for example, like I like some Asian music, right? Some, like I like, you know, feudal Japan or, you know, old sounding Chinese music, but you know, some of it just kind of sounds derivative of each other. But the one instrument that I like is the pipa. It's like that four string paddle looking guitar, but the people that play it are phenomenal and you can do a bunch of cool little note bending vibrato stuff with it. And it just, it um, sounds really Asian when you listen to it, but yeah, I can't yeah. listen to all that type of music just cause I find it interesting. Like it has to, the person playing it has to evoke something in me. I have to be moved by the melody or the tone of it or just the somber or the feel. Sure. Right? So that's really what's more important to me. So like, I, I don't, that's just the difference in how we view music. I don't really care about the cultural aspect I got you. in terms of me liking a physical piece of music. I find it interesting, but I, it's not a main influencer for me. But that being said, the fact that you do feel that way is why music to me is very important. I, what's more interesting is the fact that somebody loves a piece of music and the same with the same song, somebody else could really hate it. Like that's more interesting is like why we're wired to like and dislike certain things just innately. Or like you said, it has a cultural aspect tied to it. Cause I get help. Some people are like, Oh, this is just Western, you know, pretentious elite wanking. And I'm not politicizing it. I just don't find it interesting just, you know, as a style. Yeah. I don't know. It just like I bring up with like, I love iconography. You know, I have, I have multiple icons of Mary and Jesus in my room. <laughs> and not just those icons, but obviously, like, I love icons of, like, I already mentioned this, you know, because, like, when you think of, I don't know, like, India, you already have in your head, like, you know, the Taj Mahal and all this stuff. And then you have, like, the where because you know like when you think i do like indian music too indian music is really good i know it gets because the rhythm and the and the 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 stoner like a lot of all the trippy stonery stuff comes from eastern sounding music that's incorporated into westerns and also the rhythms too so i i definitely connect to that but going to akron akron iconography jesus christ i can't tell i like religious art a lot i i very enjoyed going to the vatican and seeing all the artwork I, i feel like it always invokes something into me even though not knowing the context of even most of the paintings that I'm looking at, I just love how it looks. And the same thing with the National Gallery of Art in D.C. I'm actually going to go there again this weekend because my girlfriend loves art. Okay. So seeing all the famous pieces. So I I love Renaissance, medieval, and all the type of religious paintings of that era. I I think it's technically probably the best work of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, Just in terms of skill and, like, beauty and emotion that it invokes out of me. So I like the art a lot just not really the music okay yeah like i love da vinci i think his paintings are just like mesmerizing like the last supper it is just like when you look at it like the way like the shapes form together and everything and how it's like the way it looks like it's just it it's like the 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 room that it takes place in like the foreground like it's almost like it's there, there's this certain thing I, th- I think it's i mean i think it's referred to as the sublime 
I mean, I typically just use sublime to describe things I think are quite good, but I think like, that's what it is. Like sublime is like the concept of just like this, like invokes something in you that is just unexplicable. Like it has some sort of like godly fingerprint on there, you know? Um, and so like when you, when I look at that painting and I see all of like the symmetry and like the, I don't know, like just the, the colors. And like I said, like just the shape of the room and like the vanishing point and like the colors, I think I mentioned, but also I just, I like how it like, you can't even tell like where they are. You're like there, there, it doesn't even like, it doesn't look like it's in Jerusalem. Right. It doesn't look like it's too, but it's like, okay, is it, it looks kind of like it's in like Greece or something, but also like Rome. And then it's, it, it's so interesting. Yeah, and I, um, I can't remember if I saw that in per that is that in the Vatican? I don't. Or is that in the Louvre? I don't know. Where did I? I I want to say I know I saw the Sistine Chapel, um, and I saw a couple of their famous paintings. I think I can't remember which one. There's there's a there's two or one, there's one or two Da Vinci paintings that are in the National Gallery of Art, but I don't remember which one that it is. Um, but I, if I if if the Last Supper was in um, was in the Vatican, I definitely saw it. I just it's just been a while since I've been there, and I don't remember. The only thing I remember really was the Sistine Chapel, and also this one painting. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this on here, but I can't find a picture of this thing anywhere. But it was in one of the main hallways, and it's this massive painting of this baby getting fucking stabbed in the throat. It was metal as fuck, and it, it looked like it'd be cool for an album cover. And they wouldn't. They were like super gestapo about letting you take pictures in there because some fucking rest restoration company owned the rights and all that bullshit <laughs> um dude rome was a very like fucking rome was a scammy place i'm not gonna lie like everything was just designed to tourist trap you and all the shit that you could like lose your money on like it was just it was a weird experience going there but the vatican was nice but i can't find this painting I'm, ever but it's i'm a, actually it a big ass painting of a baby getting fucking stabbed in the vatican yeah, it was it was cool as shit. It was a it was a fucking it was the largest painting I've ever seen in my life. Oh man, yeah. And I think it was the story of like when they were trying to find Jesus and kill Jesus as a baby, so a bunch of babies are getting killed or something. I don't know. I am just like also mesmerized like with how Michelangelo painted all that like on the sea. It's yeah. just I'm like, did he just see it all? And and, I, and he talks about it in his in his writings, like how he was feeling like the ecstasy of the Holy Spirit. Right. And obviously, I mean, yeah. you and I probably have different like concepts of what that might mean. Right. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, what was in his head? Like, did he see it all like from like a he just kind of ascended and was like outside of his body and he saw everything and it just came like, did he have to do part like it? Just, I especially like you were saying, like a painting that big. Like, how do you even attempt to start that? And then like it just. It's crazy. The proportions that you have to know are insane. I mean, obviously, yeah. Da Vinci was an inventor, so he had a sort of logistical mind. So he really had a vision for, and you kind of get a glimpse of that when you you don't realize how big these fucking things are. Yeah, no, it's unless you've it's been there, which you and I have. Like, it's you don't realize. So I guess I haven't seen it because apparently it's in uh, Milano. So it's what the um... it's not in the Vatican. The Last Supper. It's not in the okay. Vatican. Is the Last Supper? Um, so I guess a big, I haven't seen that. Is that a big painting? I don't know. Okay. Um, it looks like it would be, but 
I see an image of people staring at it. Oh, fuck, it does look massive. But, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention about The Last Supper is, like, I love how bare the room is. Like, it, it's so, like, there's nothing in it, you know? And there's, like... Yeah, it looks like it... Was it painted on a wall? Yeah, I can't... Or was it painted on... I can't... It looks like it's painted on a wall. Tell, yeah. It, it looks big, though. There's people standing underneath of it, and the people look as tall as the people in the painting. <laughs> Ooh, man. Good lord. But yeah, um, paintings were massive, but I, I love the attention to detail and the... Um, I was watching... My, my girlfriend's... A, she's really into painting, so we've been watching a bunch of videos on YouTube about people talking about the history and the critiquing, and they're saying a lot of the emotion comes within the poses of the body because sometimes the proportions are a little bit weird. So you see the, especially if they're contorted in a weird position, you see the tension and this like the strife or just some sort of uncomfortable, you know, feeling of a weird body position, the way, and especially the look on the face. Cause I feel like most paintings of the era had some weird concerned face or some contemplative, pensive, sad face, something like that. Right. Um, Oh, like I, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> like I love how the the back is just like the foreground's just like glowing almost. And it's very obscure. Yeah. It is just a this is such a good painting. Um. Yeah, no, but um. Oh, so I'm actually going to Rome in November. Are you really? Yeah, you can come if you want. Man, I've already taken off a bunch of time for where I can't, I can't go anywhere anytime soon. But I, I do want to go back to Italy. I want to see. I'm gonna to go to the Louvre. I'm gonna to go to all the, all the spots. Yeah, um, one of the Louvres in, is in France. Yeah, I know. I just want to take, do a whole tour of all the cool oh, yeah. European stuff. So yeah. I don't know if there. I'm sure there's some cool stuff in Spain. But yeah, there's a lot of was... stuff that's spread around Italy. The problem is they're not in one spot. Like they're all in different cities. Yeah, so that's the thing. Because it's like when you go to Italy. Because I'm like, yeah, Rome was awesome. But I'm like, okay, I also want to go to Florence because that's where the Statue of David is and that awesome church is yeah. and that's where Assassin's Creed is and all that cool stuff. But then it's also like, yeah, I want to go to Milan because that's more like the modern like entrepreneur place. But they also have cool old stuff there. And then it's like, okay, I want to go to Sicily. And I want to go to, it's like, well, where do you want to want to go in Sicily? You know, I want to go to Palermo. You want to go to Messina? Or like, you know, do you want to go to the Alpine part of it? Like, do you want to go to Venice? You know, this is a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I think Florence, there's, 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 I can't remember. There's some, it's not the Mona Lisa, but there's some massively famous painting that's in Florence. And I can't remember which one it is. Oh, the Birth of Venus. I think that's. I like that painting a lot. That's in Florence. Let me see. Botticelli. That's a great painting. Botticelli is good. Also, like, just... The art is just better because they have Italian names. It just is cool, you know? <laughs> what What is it called? The The Birth of Venus? Yeah. Let me see this 1486. one. 1486. I know you've seen it before. That one... Yeah, I know that one. I'm not the... Actually, no, that is pretty cool. Um... I love like the hair and like the shape it makes. It just it's very aesthetic. Yeah, and I've always liked the colors from this time. Very light and muted, but also lively and vibrant. 
It's a great oxymoron. Damn. Um, did you did you want to circle back to the music? We I was gonna say that, yeah, because I think we could go back to this, and this could be like my cool. my side topic for the episode. So yeah, this is and this is like I said, the the better half is starting to come on. Um, that's good. So the next, um, the Mozart. next one was Mozart. Yes. So we went from Germany to Austria. So Mozart is what I'm really more familiar with. It's probably the most classical pieces that I've listened to, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one was a symphony number no. 25. Yeah, that's what's annoying about these because not all of them have. I mean, th- luckily some of Mozart's pieces have names, um, but then a lot of them, like a lot of classical music, it's like, oh yeah, you know that song, but it's like no, I just know some melody from some album that was released by like some orchestra. Like it's so hard to like remember the music by these people because it's oh <laughs> and. Sorry, I, I just want to say this before I forget. That's another thing I don't like about the majority of classical music is that a lot of times people center their songs around an idea and then they use that as their title. And obviously sometimes it's innocuous or it doesn't mean anything and they're just playing around. But for the most part, it's built off for a central theme. So the fact that these are unnamed, like I, there's nothing for me to latch on to as a theme. I have to kind of make that up in my head and see like what I could attribute this to as opposed to if it named like, you know, whatever, like ocean's breeze or some shit like there's something i can try to see like what about an ocean's breeze contemplates to the notes and the tone of the song kind of thing so that's another aspect that's lost is it's just totally out of context in every sense of the word you kind of which is also could be cool like if there's something that resonates with you you get to make up your own story for it so in a way that can be cool but i, I feel like it also, it's hard to do it's, it's it kind of gets lost sometimes too but that's more of a that's that's more just a tidbit thing just for me yeah, like what? Well, I, I, so, um, I mean, I think like you have to take a, you have to take into account like the way that this music was listened to, right? So it's like obviously like Bach or whoever it was, like you know, like he would make a bunch of concertos which were listened to by like royals and stuff like that, and um, yeah, wait, is that who it is? Nobles, sorry, like nobles and like high class countrymen, right? So. And, like, they would just kind of come and listen to music. And that was, like, the only kind of time you could listen to music. So, I guess, like, people, like, at that time, like, th- like it was just, this is just Bach's new piano concerto or something like that. And I guess, like, when he just, right. he's like, this is my first one, this is my second one. I don't know. And, like, obviously, so, uh, like, you know, Mozart, who was, I mean, he's he's later than than Bach. Right? Bach is, like, is really old. Mozart's a little newer. He actually, I mean, he has some of his things named, uh, like, you know, like you've probably heard Marriage of Figaro or, um, you know, uh, what is it? Like, uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, um, you know, and, 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 and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you kind of get that here. So like with, I mean, you have a uh, Die Zauberflute, which in German is the magic flute. I know a lot of people are familiar with that. Yeah. Um. But so the first one, I think this song is just, I uh, it's it's such a masterpiece. Yeah, and I I, th- it feels from like, and that's the the one thing about Mozart. I I feel like I've heard the majority of the classical stuff because everyone everyone in here, I I was like, I feel like I've heard this before. 
because they all feel familiar. Oh, yeah. This one, I it feels like something I would see in a vintage movie, or <laughs> I was thinking of like a Tom and Ter- a Tom and Jerry chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, like yeah. it was just a pleasant kind of feel. And this is kind of I think I I probably liked it more because it was a big change of pace from the other songs before. So like this one was definitely an easier listen, so I could just kind of you know vibe with it a little bit more. Um, and also kind of sounds like a formal ballroom dance kind of song too. I always kind of like those too. That's yeah. Um, that's an interesting observation. Um, like the, I yeah. love when, when this music plays, it just, like, I just start like pretending I'm a conductor, like, and I'm like waving my hand like an idiot, you know, like it's just like the, <laughs> yeah. you know, like the dun, 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 And like, I just kind of like do the cascading little like finger thing, you know, just, I'm like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, I I think like the the last minute of this song, with the key change is just mwah. It's so good. Yeah, like I said, this one was a lot more pleasant experience. Um, I was hoping you would then agree. Yeah. <laughs> the next one, Die Zauberflöte. Die Zauberflöte. By uh, Roberta Peters. So this one I know I've heard it before. Um. And I don't know if this will be another surprise to you. I'm also not the biggest fan of opera. <laughs> well, yeah. So oh. opera is probably <laughs> the most like down the rabbit hole thing you can get in classical music. Like the it's like the heaviest stuff, so to speak. Yeah, um, I I do like some aspects of opera, and I'll kind of touch on that. So um, I. That, that little high kind of bird chirp melody that she does, I think it's catchy. I, I love when opera singers, because obviously they're probably the most technically trained singers on the planet. They can do the most difficult runs and not reach, easy. you know, yeah. yeah, reach notes that most people will never be able to reach in their life. But a lot of it just doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's just going to be real. Um, however, I do love when opera singers go on little runs or they do the scales and they have, you can hear how much control they have in their voice and how much power they have so that's cool I ass- but i oh. don't like the belting the belting is never going to sound good to me right that is that's yeah it just sounds so forced i mean i like I, I, I like it but i mean i can't there's nothing i can say that would change your mind um i i really love when she's doing that bird chirping melody that like the, yeah that's really cool but then the strings are also playing like the dun 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 dun, dun in the background i think that and then she just kind of sings it back i think that was just really really cool also, yeah, in that part in the middle where she does that kind of scale run, it sounds like she's practicing scales, but she's hitting all those notes. Yeah. That, was, that was really cool. That was that sounded awesome. Um, um, and that's the thing. I have a lot of respect for opera singers, but like, it's just I can't get the I can't get over the belting. Uh, well, well, so the belting because it's like they're singing in German. It sounds really cool. I can't even pick out anything. It's just like. Whoa! Like well, at, 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 at that <laughs> point but like in the opening of the song she, you can clearly tell that it's german yeah. but like oh the opening of this song that goes hard that's like some heavy stuff you know like with just those those deep string like just like they just like that duh, duh, you know like I, oh it's so satisfying <laughs> yeah it, it definitely like i said that's the one thing i like about the it's so dramatic and powerful. Yes, it exactly. Kind of hits you in the nuts in a it does. traditional way, which is interesting. Right. In in uh, the whole- so that aspect I do like. It's just <laughs> it's just the physical sound. It's just like I can't get into it. Um, the next one, which is Requiem K six two six, and then I can't remember the. Full it's just one. the Diaz Yeah, That's how I know it. 
Yuzuri. Okay. Which means um, those days, I think. Those days. I like this one. I like the has that you know dramatic, sinister, kind of looming building sound that always plays in any like antagonistic scene in a movie. Right. Um. um yeah. So the. I feel like I've heard it. These three songs were part of. Well, have you seen the Amadeus movie? No, I haven't. All right, yeah, we're going to have to watch that at some point. But <laughs> is it good? Like is it really interesting? Yes, no. I'm telling Okay, Jason, like you've you've trust my judgment with movies though. <laughs> like really, has there been a movie yet that like you didn't like that I recommended? No, Not- I've pretty much enjoyed all of them for the most part. Right, cuz okay, yeah, cuz I'm trying to remember. So we got Amor's Barros, which you liked. City of God, which you really liked. And then, like, what else have I recommended to you movie-wise? Like, oh, um, Babel. And see Nombre, and then the, we watch Host. Not Host. Um, yeah, The Host. The Korean yeah. creature. Was it The Host? The Host, yeah. Okay, cool. Not Host. Yeah. yeah so, I like the... I like, yeah, every movie I've watched with you, I've liked. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll just tell you this uh, right now. So, it, the movie's, like, three hours long, but it feels like it's... Oh, my God. No, but it, it feels like it's 30 minutes. This is a big ask, but I'll trust your judgment. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we have to literally plan our entire week around it. Probably, <laughs> probably month, right? <laughs> um, but probably, fuck. Right, we pr- we'll probably have to do it like on a weekend or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so um, these um, these three songs, Diaseri, Confutatis, and Lacrimosa are from Mozart's Requiem Mass, which, I mean, for those who are not familiar with the Requiem Mass, it's the mass that is given. It's like a funeral mass, and it's like honoring the dead and everything. Um, okay. So the Dies Irae is talking about how, you know, like the Day of Judgment, and that we are all, you know, like, we're all going to die, right? And it's like, that's why it kind of has that sinister sound. And it, it is the, the Dies Irae, you know, like the... um. It is. It's a. It it literally became like a like a concept, like a phenomenon in music itself. Um, you know, like the da 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 da. You know that. Yeah. Right. Like it. It's the most referenced piece of music in music, right? So you. Can, it's literally the 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 ostinato for Carol of the Bells. Like da 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 da. Right. And then it's mm. also like, I noticed. Like I watched this video that was pointing out. It's it's it, like in the Home Alone soundtrack. When he would see like that creepy old man, they would play that like da 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 da, right? Like, and you could hear it in a. I was showing a bunch of these instances in in film and and whatnot where he would play that those three notes, right? And it was really really powerful. Um, but so that's what just what it's referring to is is death and all that stuff. Um. Okay. But yeah, no, this song. Wait, what were you gonna ask? Just. We don't have to go into, but like, was he deeply? I I mean, I assume most people were like, I guess he was deeply religious. Like, he did he attribute most of his work to that? Yeah, no, he he was very religious. His um, he had a very good relationship with the archbishop. Um, he was like their composer, right? I mean, obviously, okay. <laughs> they asked him to do all this stuff, and even if so, like, well, actually, no, I won't spoil anything about Amadeus, but and like, you can see, um. Like they have it documented, like his the, the letters he would write with his dad when they were catching up with each other. He would tell Mozart like uh, the importance of praying the rosary and everything. Um, so yeah, yeah, Mozart was a. I mean, like like you said, yeah, most people were back then, but no, yes, Mozart was a very 
like observantly religious person. I always wondered, because I feel like most, I don't know how many, I'm sure there was some composers that were troubled, right? Or they had some sort of dark or shitty lifestyle. Beethoven. Um, <laughs> Beethoven. Yeah. That's he, what it was. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't like, he wasn't atheist, but then he wasn't like, I, like I, he, he was, um, he, no, no, he wasn't atheist, but like he, he, he was Christian, but like, he wasn't like super i mean like he, he supported like people you know that went to church and everything in church goes thought that was all great but that wasn't like the ultimate end for him i think whereas like no, yeah. whereas like mozart understood like no that is the ultimate end whereas like mozart was like a little no, no sorry beethoven was a little more like secular like this is just kind of just music you know because that was in like the, the romantic period where it wasn't a religious movement it was more of just kind of like the well that's kind of the origins of all of like the spiritual but not religious kind of stuff you know yeah um obviously I th- I th- when beethoven does it it's quite good and impressive but you know when the the cringe stuff we see see now is done it's not not to that level <laughs> but well that's done under a different guise I don't right think. i was i was and, yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know if it's a fair comparison but that's just kind of the origins of all that like the romantic period was just like the uh weren't times didn't they like weren't the the old days just so much better and more rich you know that <laughs> It's the Led Zeppelin cover band days. Right. Um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know anything about really any composer at all. I don't know shit. I've never been interested to learn about their lives. I've never been interested to look into, you know, what they're about. So I, I don't know anything, really. You don't know anything? Um, Man, I thought... No, not at all. I don't know shit about any classical composer ever. Okay. Well, so, I mean, I mean, it is kind of fictionalized, but... And then it's got some controversy for that, but... I mean, Amadeus is about Mozart, um, but what's interesting is that it's told through the eyes of like another composer. Okay. Yeah, which I I well, well um, I'll but well, I guess we'll talk about it when whenever we watch it. Yeah, okay. but um, the next song, which is um, what's the second song? Fonfutatis. That one. So I I love the lo-fi feel. And also the tone of the song. The I, I always kind of like lo-fi. Yeah, yeah, the lo-fi stuff is really nice. I think it's kind of overplayed these days, but just the overall you know sentiment of it, I enjoy. I like lo-fi things. Um, the only thing that's a little bit weird is that the mood is kind of inconsistent with what it's trying to put. Jeez, uh, man, to portray. And I think that kind of further exemplifies my point when you're talk because I didn't know it had a you know, funeral mass kind of connotation to it. So I feel like the mood is a little weird. Maybe I guess it makes sense in terms of like, you know, celebrating life more than focusing on death. So the first one was like the ominous realization. The second one is the acceptance. And then the... Um, and lacrimosa is the final, which means tear in Latin. Yeah. So this, the the song, before I get to that one, the song, it kind of sounds like the last one, but a little bit more upbeat, but Lacrimosa, this final song, I know I've heard this one before. Um, I love the feel and the pacing of it. It's it's something, this is something I can zone out and meditate to. Yeah, so definitely. So for that reason, I love it. I'm, so I, I love the pensive mood that it puts me in. Yes, exactly. The pensive mood. That's a very good way to describe it. I love those, those just brutal string uh like those brutal strings in the beginning like it almost just it just kind of pierces like your soul almost like just 
damn, you know, like it's 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 almost like they're just it's, the music is just crying, you know, but not in like the cheesy sense. It's just like shit, man, you know. Yeah, so I guess I guess it's kind of um, I don't know if this is I mean, obviously, it, to me, this is what it sounds like. It's a three part thing. So I guess it's like well, there's, more. there's more stages of no, no, no there, 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 uh, there's more to the mass. I just picked the, the three ones that. Uh, I mean, so are they supposed to represent the stages of grief or is that just what most people can attribute them to? Because it kind of like now that I know that it, it kind of what it, it feels like to me. That's kind of it. Well, so, I mean, obviously it just kind of through divine providence that <laughs> um, that these three were in chronological order. I mean, obviously there's other there's other stuff in between them in the actual mass, but um. Okay. Yeah, but so that because yeah, it feels like it's congruent with the feelings. I, obviously, it's a sped up version of it than what you go through in real life. But like I said, the ominous realization, the you know, just the celebration and the seriousness of it, but trying to be more upbeat in a dark time. And the last one of you just having to cope and find a way to contemplate and you know move on, kind of thing. Yeah, and so I, I've yeah the uh, lacrimosa. I, I like it. It ends in a very pleasant like hopeful major key which is really it's really nice yeah but um so this mass was actually never finished the the lacrimosa i I believe that was the last thing mozart ever wrote interesting i know it's what year what year was this mozart he was like he was doing his thing i think like in the time of like the like when america was like first becoming a country like in this, okay. in like the seventeen eighties, I think. Let me see. He didn't even live to be like forty. He died, um, and that's actually what the the movie talks about. It's very controversial, like de- it's a very controversial and debated topic in history of how he actually died and who might have like you know aided in it. It's a very interesting, interesting story. Oh, it's definitely some conspiracy stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter because the people are all dead, but and there's like nothing to be done to get out of it, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) no one cares, right? So Wolfgang, sorry, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is how he's typically known as, but his full name is Johannes Christosimus Wolfgangus Theophilus Mozart. Nice. Jump off a fucking bridge. Who the hell named him that? Okay, he was part of like a, a royal family, so. Uh, so he was. Okay, he was. I'm simulating myself jacking off. Right. So he was. To Mozart's name. Um, so he was born in Salzburg, Austria in 1756, and he died in 1791. Okay. In Vienna. Um, Vienna, Northern Virginia. Right, yeah, he he went Such all the way to. Was Vienna, Virginia, even a city at that time? I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Virginia's pretty fucking old, but probably not. I mean, hey, America was a country at that point, or at least for like two years. I think. Like, when yeah, when did most it... of like most of Northern Virginia was farmland, especially before the Civil War. I mean, even like towards DC. Eh, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, Vienna probably did not exist. Um, Manassas was farmland fucking <laughs> during the Civil War. Right. But um, <laughs> Mozart, I go back between him and Beethoven. Unfortunately, I, I 
couldn't really get any Beethoven on this playlist. But I go back and forth between them of who's my favorite. I kind of prefer Mozart just because, eh, I don't know. I just, Mozart is, I think, is just more prolific than Beethoven is. But, um, in what way? Like, he just, he has more good music, in my opinion. Oh, okay. More hits. Right. He has more hits and he has a more, like, he has a, <laughs> he has like a huge, right. Cause, like, these guys, like, so Bach, um, is very like versatile so he has like his harpsichord music but he also has his piano stuff he has his organ stuff which i obviously oh man i wish i could i, I could have got that on on here somehow you know like toccata and fugue and d i don't know that's like the da -da -da, da -da -da. oh the dracula theme song yeah i do like that right but it's just when you actually have you listened to the whole song um uh not attentively no okay i need i'm going to send that to you and you're gonna tell me what you think it doesn't need, even need to be on the podcast but that song is literally like a drug trip i'm sure i'll like it it's just I like the the couple seconds that i hear of it all the time <laughs> right but that that's like the that's like the most forgettable part of like the all the time it's it's like this the, the song is like this incredible odyssey like the 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 way the organ like just kind of just takes you you know yeah. Um. Which yeah, I assumed you like the organ better than the harpsichord. Um. I actually do like the organ. Yeah. I love um. There's, every time every church service I've been to, I like the organ a lot. Right. Um. But so Bach kind of created that sort of like gothic, like German kind of atmosphere. You know. That's crazy because like the the stuff with this harpsichord music is a complete one eighty from all of that. Right, but it's, I'm showing that he's he's very versatile, right? Um, yeah, and he cool. also has his like, um, I think he might have done some mandolin stuff, but I'm not entirely sure. But either way, and then so Mozart has his his orchestra music, right? But then he also has his concertos and he has his his piano pieces. You know, I'm sure if I played you some of them, you'd be like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, and he has like you know his his sacred music for the mat and everything. So he's, he's very versatile, right? And so Beethoven is the same way where he has his symphonies, right? His grand masterpieces for, with like for orchestras, right? With all the instruments. And he, he has this very nice um, and pleasant piano pieces, right? Like um, for Elise, I'm sure you know that one. Yeah, of course. Right. But then he, have you heard of Moonlight Sonata? Yeah, I've heard that one. Too. Yeah, that was yeah, like Be Be Beethoven is the most I think entertaining um composer. Like his his music I think is the most compa like it's the most palatable to people who listen to modern music. It's also what most people learn when they play piano too. A lot of Beethoven and Mozart. That, yeah, that 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 is a good observation. Um but also like I just I think the the keys that Beethoven plays in and all, and all that stuff like it just it it sounds not as like old i mean i'm obviously like i'm i'm, I'm trying to think of this like how another person would see this cuz obviously the oldness doesn't bother me right but like um it's i i feel like it, it 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 doesn't feel as like outdated as some people would think that maybe bach would feel like the the stuff that was on this playlist like i feel like beethoven is just like a lot of people would be like yeah that's cool that's awesome that i love that sound it puts me in that like real like you know pensive mood it's relaxing it's just like therapeutic you know like for elise um i was reading i was listening to this version of it and then someone said in the comments like even if this is overplayed there's still something like 
hauntingly beautiful about this piece. You know, I'm like, I love Ophrelly sounds. I yeah, I think I saw like obviously it's the, it's probably the most famous classical song ever. Um, but I think it's the fact that like I don't hear it all the time, so like it doesn't play on the radio all the time. So like I haven't heard it enough to hate it. So every time I hear it, I always think it's pleasant, especially. Um, when I hear, this is back when we did lessons, so I would hear kids practice this song and like, not kids, but like the teenagers that were trying to audition to get into a performing arts school. So they'd always play, you know, classical pieces. And I liked when they played the more emotive pieces to really show their skill as a, just like a, not a musician, just as an artist. Because I think this is a great piece to show your skill as an artist more than a musician. Because this is all about the feel of the notes and the way you play it yeah, more than yeah. playing it correctly. Yeah, because so. you see, like, like some people they play for Elise kind of slow, and then some people pay, like play it fast and like furious. You yeah, know, I like the people that play it slower. Yeah, like some people like just like the da 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 da, and like they kind of just gonna build up. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's it uh, that that is a cool. Uh, thing you pointed out and and now that now that you know that that is my entire point of why the piano is a 10 times better instrument than the harpsichord you can't do something like that on a harpsichord as well as you can on a piano i'm sure somebody could do it that's really talented but it's a lot more difficult to do something like that like that's the dynamic is the you can really mess with the notes yeah i guess it's just different to me at least <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I do like that aspect a lot in Furley's. It's a very, it's like the same thing with Tadiga. You can really play with a lot of the songs and the feel and the the speed of it. It really changes the mood. Yeah, Tadiga's good. Um, yeah, so that's that's why I enjoy stuff like that a lot. Right. Um, do you like the Fifth Symphony by Beethoven? Um, is that in here? That no, it's not in here. But it, that's just like the da 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 da. Um, I don't hate it. I think, I think that's, I don't know. It, it doesn't really speak to me or anything or poke you out. So I think it's, a, this doesn't happen very often, but I think that this, this is an example of a song that I think when transcribed to piano, it is so, I mean, not so much better. Cause I think, I mean, the orchestra version is, it's just, it's so good, but I think like it's even better when it's just transcribed to piano. And there's this incredible version of it that I want to send you. And like, you just hear it. Like, yeah, I, it's insane. This guy's like just doing, he's playing literally everything the orchestra's playing all with like just, just two hands. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I've heard it on piano. I, I know I've heard it as an orchestra. I think I even saw, I'm blank. I think I've been to like a orchestra show at the Kennedy center when I was younger, I believe. I saw a couple things at the Kennedy Center, but I was bored as fuck, so I don't really. <laughs> I saw, I saw the Ninth Symphony, that was awesome. The Ninth Symphony. That's the one where you know that one, like the. I don't know any symphony. That's the Ode to Joy, like the. Oh, I don't like that one at all. <laughs> no, it's because I had to play it on trombone, and I fucking hated it. No, that was probably terrible. But if you actually listen to the orchestrated <laughs> version, or if you just listen to it on piano, it's so pretty. <laughs> okay. And also, like when you listen to the the uh, German okay. lyrics, it's so cool. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah, no, and like, the, the, like the German lyrics, just not just that it's German, 
which makes it sound cool but like just the actual things it's talking about it's it's cool <laughs> yeah i'll give it a go um, um the next song which is handle what song are we on this is handle yeah so um interpreted sorry interpreted by this hungarian name i don't know how to pronounce that guy's name um <laughs> so this is george friedrich handel or handel he was a german guy who eventually moved to england and just kind of lived the rest of his life in england and he became one i yeah he was the court composer for the for the um like british upper class So this one, I kind of feel like it was the same as the first four. It was kind of hard to pick out a melody that really stuck out. And I think it's because, again, they were played at the same type of that constant rhythm, you know, just the eighth notes the entire time. So I think that's a little bit, um, it, that one kind of got lost on me a little bit. That's melodic, yeah. That's good. Yeah, Big and then the, the next song, which is... um. What song is that? The second one I think was the is my favorite one, and I like how it's only like a minute long, which I think is cool. Yeah, I I feel like this one was also just a slight variation of the previous one, like the temp. It's literally the same tempo. I I literally was taking, I after I listened to them, I went back to the preview on the Apple Music playlist, and I just kept playing back and forth the beginning, and like it literally sounded like it was the same song at a slightly different rhythm, and this like I said, it was the same tempo. I really do like the rhythm um, in these songs. They're like I just I feel like I could dance to it. Yeah, they're definitely danceable, but I, as a variation between most of them, that's more of the debate. Um, uh, yeah, you can make the case. You can make the case. So I mean, these two didn't really get anything out of because like it just remind me of the first four. Um, the next song, blum blum blum. That's sonatas for violin. It's more handle. Yeah. Um. Wait. What was even the third one I showed you? Oh yeah. That was like it was much lighter. But wait, Doug, do you even remember what it was? No, I do. I. I hold on. I think I got these out of. Those eighteen songs on this list. There should be. Yeah. I, I added the other one. I don't remember if you listened to that. Which one? I sent it to the in the chat. It was another one from that same album from Handel. I don't know if you. It doesn't matter because it's not on here. Yeah, I I only listened to the one that was on here. I lost the other one. Yeah, and you fun. couldn't remember what the name of it was. Well, yeah, because I looked in like the, the. I'm skimming through the whole album, and I'm okay. There's no way I'm gonna find this, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I only listened to what was on the list, but I'm, I, my brain just got these out of order. All right. So the next one. I I like the the waving. I love the violin melody. Um. But again, it's the harpsichord in the background just haunting me in my dreams. Although the I do like the the troll notes on this one were cool. I liked how they were placed, and I liked it wasn't as bad because, like I said, the violin was the main melody, so that's really more what I could focus on. The the harpsichord I felt like the ADHD brother trying to get attention, so I could I could uh, focus more on the violin on this song. Okay. Um, the next song. I thought the the sixteenth notes coming in and out that was pretty fucking sick and this one is probably the most metal sounding song on the playlist, especially with like the the build ups that it does. We're talking about like the Vivaldi stuff, right? 
Yes, Vivaldi is definitely metal. Yes, this is Moteto RV626. Yeah, okay. I, they're trying to figure out the names of these songs, whatever. But it's just some aria from one of Vivaldi's operas. Yes, and Vivaldi is quite fantastic. Um, He's the guy who wrote, like, the Four Seasons. Yeah, I like Vivaldi. Well, I take that back. I like vivaldi in the context of vivaldi i don't like how he influenced a generation of just wanking guitar players <laughs> i, I, I want to make that distinction very clear right i think you made it clear um but yeah but this this cool. first one like like the hit the first vivaldi song i put that i like the 130 mark when like the orchestra just comes right back in with those like yeah it sounds just like it's metal yeah and I like the build-ups that it does. And, and this is why I'm saying classical music really is missing a pure rhythm instrument. Because, you know, you can... You really can just... it just it, You miss a whole aspect of the music if you don't have a good rhythm driving it. But the actual rhythm that this does on its own is phenomenal in its own right. So it's not like it needs it, but I just think it could take it to that extra step if they have some other rhythm instrument that backs it up and gives it a slightly different feel. Um, but I like the, I actually really like the opera vocal runs that were in this song. That was really nice. So this is, this is a great song. That really was, I thought. Um, and the, um, I did what did you think of the next two songs, which were not in the same kind of, uh, metal-esque style? All right. You ready for it? Yeah. So I'm going to guess you didn't like it based on what you no. what this is my favorite track on the album damn okay man i didn't know what was gonna happen because i so this one was um what was concerto per violin violoncello yeah this was definitely my favorite song on the track i love the sound of a cello i really actually really want to learn how to play cello and the, um, the, the the mandolin in the background like the going on like up the scales back and forth yeah, and I actually and that the accompaniment was the other thing I was yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I love how that sounds. So the tone of this mandolin in the context of like picking the notes in like a very fluttery, pretty, slow kind of way to back up the somber melody of the cello. It's just so smooth and rich and the the whole song is just beautiful. I like it a lot. Smooth and rich. And I love That's a very when, good way to describe it. Yeah. I love the sound of a cello. And I love how the, the specific person that played this cello, the, like the emotive slides they would do in between the notes. Oh, it was just fucking... So, this is definitely my favorite one on the whole... Like I would, This is the one I would listen to over and over again. I like... It's just... It's a sweet little sad song. I like it. Um, and then- but the... But again, it was, and this is the great example of what I think is lost on a lot of classical music is they don't take the time to focus on how it sounds. They take the time to construct, you know, the notes and the technicality of it, but they don't like, I don't know, I just feel, and and this is not just because it's a slow song versus a fast song. You definitely can do it with fast songs. Um, But I just like when people take the time and I don't know, I I don't know what the original song sounds like or different recordings. how they play it. Yeah, there's there's like a billion recordings of these songs. Right, but this specific one I like a lot. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. I try to find the best ones, but that that is a cool yeah. thing to think about. Is like, what actually did this sound like? You know, the only way we know is that yeah. if if the 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 like written musical language is what we understand it to be, right? 
And there's actually like, well, you always, you lose, I mean, here's the dirty secret, even like with tabs and all that shit or whatever music knows, like people make mistakes. Right. Like, right. It's so, and also like you lose the feel, like you can play, like maybe they didn't play completely in time. Maybe they accented things differently or they forgot to accent certain things. So, you know, you never know. So, but that is the one interesting aspect about music that you have no idea what the, what the original sound is, you know, (laughs) but this one, like I said, favorite song on the track. Um, then the next song, I kind of like it and I kind of don't. The thing I don't like is I think the, the tone, and this is the mandolin again, right? Yes. It's just again, it's just it's just it's too pingy, and the 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 sound of it's kind of choked. Like you don't really hear the note; you just kind of hear like the the high pitched like ping of the note. And the last, um, so that's the part I don't like. But the part that I love about it was the last part of the song where it sounds kind of like Hawaiian or like a sea shanty. It's really kind of pulsy and wavy it's like you just feel like you can relax to it so i like yeah. the i like the sound and the and the pacing of it at the end okay yeah no so. i i you know i, I agree with you with these two songs um yeah it's just the it, it, i think those are like the most relaxing tracks on the song and i'm sorry i mean the playlist yeah for sure um well, I was—I mean, you pretty much just said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't really have much anymore to say. Well, overall, I think um, I think as f- like I've listened to countless genres of music, and I think for some reason classical is just the one I just can't get into. But only for those reasons. So the songs, like I said, they have that slower, more emotive feel, or they have a really catchy and or sweet melody you know those are the ones i'm always going to gravitate towards just in any genre of music but i'm never going to get into the fast scales and arpeggios classical it's just not going to happen i don't even like that in metal so you know you never, <laughs> it's not going to happen you never know i don't know <laughs> there, and also depends on how it's played like i can you know there might be a guy that fucking rips on the harpsichord and also I think I've I've heard it in person because if you go to Colonial Williamsburg on certain times, they have a legitimate guy. He like plays the harpsichord. You can see other people making furniture. So I've heard it in real life, and like you hear, you catch a little bit more of the low end dynamic in person than you do in recordings. Um, so that element kind of is lost in recording, but again, it still is not that dynamic of an instrument. <laughs> it just isn't. I guess not, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just never really they do sound that. a lot cooler in person. I will say though. Okay, that makes me more interested to go and uh, hear one. I yeah, if you like the history, you definitely got to go to Colonial Williamsburg. You probably would love it down there. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I think it's cool how it has like the top and the bottom, because they're like they're sh- they're shorter. They're not as long as a piano, you know. So they so yeah. can like lay out all the keys. I think that's that's cool. Because I wonder, I'm like, how would that be? You know, because like, what could I do with that? You know. I guess, yeah, I, I don't play piano, so I, I don't know what you could do with it. But it is interesting because, yeah, it's a totally different style, and you can hit more range of notes theoretically. Yeah, easier. But the, that also wants me. That makes me want to try an organ because, like, I know, like, it would. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be the same as the piano or the harpsichord, but I'm sure, like, I mean, the notes, like, they they look the same, right? It's just I know the bass, like, you have to learn like the deep, 
notes you have to play with like those those like pedals on the bottom um but like yeah the sustain no it's it's not a sustain they're just really really deep deep notes like this like these well they open more airflow or i don't know how pipes work or flutes work i feel like so like they're either could strip the airflow for a higher pitch or you open it up for a lower pitch i don't know i well i just, all i know is it's like the the really big really wide round pipes are like the really deep bassy notes and that's what you hit with those those pedals at the bottom like oh they're actual notes yeah they're yeah they're actual notes they're they're uh, like they're like those okay. really deep bassy notes that accompany the songs um but the um so like there's there's no sustain on an organ you just have to hold out the note interesting right so like that um so that would be different than playing the piano but i just want to see so you literally just fill the low end resonance underneath of what you're playing yeah by just with your feet that's cool yeah no but that that's interesting to me because i'm like huh like how would i and then like you can do kind of melodies with the pedal too it, it's interesting huh. it's like you have you, yeah, you have your own cool. yeah like organ. yeah like you have your own bass below you it's really cool that opens up a whole new world playing with your feet and with your hands yeah the the huh. only problem with organ you know is is, is like the actual trying to to learn it and practice it because i'm like okay i can't just ask after church like hey can i play the organ like it just it doesn't work like that right um well i mean there's no one that'll teach you to do it or find someone that like there's nothing that no, you I, can apprentice well no I, i'm sure i could but it, but you know it's like it, it that's just kind of more inconvenient right whereas like guitar it's just like i can just do it in my room whereas like you can't learn organ in your room right um <laughs> <laughs> like like you yeah you can emulate it probably i i assume yes. it's not that much different than playing a piano you just kind of have to learn the nuances honestly of the of the bass pipes really sure but i guess like you, you just the, you need to have a plain organ in like a church or like a big open space with awesome awesome um acoustics right yeah churches got good acoustics man dude my parents go to this little like little brick church thing and like the interior is fucking godly. You can hear a penny drop with no echo. It's crazy. Oh, man. How like it's it feels like it's a recording room in there. It's so small and well uh, I think the last time I went was a Christmas mass and the the piano player was playing really soft and then the the pastor was playing an acoustic guitar and it was a nice guitar and just it resonated just so sweet throughout the whole church i do like church acoustics a lot and this is kind of a funny side note sometimes the people that run sound for churches are very inept and that's because a lot of them they're just volunteers like they don't actually have a skill set in doing this they kind of got lumped into doing the board at church right and my friend installs av professionally and he was like the amount of times he gets asked for people from people to get the reverb taken out like the room reverb like you know cathedral reverb from a church like a stone church <laughs> it's like impossible right unless you do thousands and thousands of dollars of acoustic treatings it's like no we're not going to take the fucking room reverb out <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but but yeah i i love the acoustics of churches they're probably the best or small theaters yeah or i mean obviously just like music studios I mean, but that's like an obvious one um 
well it kind of emulates the music studio the way like small churches run with all the carpet and the drapery and all that as opposed to larger cathedral where it's all stone and everything bounces off one another and echoes right um or what was it like the was i gonna say like typically hall like um really big hallways have good acoustics yep hall reverb it's another great one hallway reverb and like just big rooms you know like a big convention center or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah the one that's the worst are stadiums. Stadiums have the worst sound. Oh, definitely. Um, same thing with outside amphitheaters. Fucking blow ass. Yeah, I've had to do that before. <laughs> fucking awful. I hate going to fucking stadium or amphitheater shows. I really do. <laughs> we perform... Especially for metal, because metal's hard to get a good sound live, because there's so many frequencies that fucking fight each other, so like you really have to EQ and know what you're doing, and it... It's just the cursed, you know, you go to a larger venue, all you hear is drums and bass, and that's it. Okay. Yeah, we had to but. we had to perform Shakespeare. It wasn't like in an amphitheater, but it was in that kind of open area. In, like, grass. Like, it was like in the middle of, like, the woods almost. What the fuck? It was cool, because the, the teacher said he wanted to have, like, a more kind of, like, English kind of shire-esque uh environment i guess it kind of does put you in the mood it like, did what, midsummer night's dream it did that would be yeah. a good one to see in the forest we did yeah that would be good we did um a much to do about nothing i don't know if you know that one no i don't think i've read that one. it's one of his comedies um i'm much more of a fan of shakespeare's tragedies um like hamlet no not i'm not a big fan of hamlet um Macbeth? Macbeth, yes. Or um, Julius Caesar, I love. I forgot that he wrote that. Yeah, no. And he, and yeah. he has Romeo and Juliet, which I think is really good, too. Um, King Lear, too. I, I've not read that. But that, I just, I know, the I hear the synopsis of it I want to read. It's just about, like, this, this king who has, like, three sons. And then it's, like, they fight over who gets to take over the the kingdom, I think. After the, after the king dies um did he do a reprise of a of a greek tragedy am i remembering that right possibly i know he yeah he he did um he just did something of the sort but i can't remember what specifically was nor what was it oedipus or the i uh, so something <laughs> something like that right like I, the odyssey or something right like i want to say he did but no nah, I, I wouldn't be able to tell off the top of my head um, huh. I know. Oh, t- uh, Tempest. Uh, he did that. I don't know why this made me think of it, dude. Because are you into like older poetry? Did you, did we talk about Edgar Allan Poe on here? We did. Yeah, and I love Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. So, yeah. So that was with you. Okay. I couldn't remember if I was having that discussion with you or someone else, but um. <laughs> well, uh, we don't really talk to anybody else other than us, so. <laughs> <laughs> i know i just i'm getting to the point where it's like i don't even know who i have conversations with anymore right it's just Every, it's just the podcast bro that's <laughs> the one thing you're gonna learn when you are uh <laughs> when you're heavily dating someone for like three years like you start saying the same shit over and over again they're like stop saying the same fucking thing over and over again like i can't remember if i said it already shit man telling the same stories saying the same jokes well it comes back to get you i'm on that shit for two weeks now so 
Oh, that's right. How's that been going? It's it's going pretty well. <laughs> Good, man. I'm happy you're out of your incel phase. You're branching out in the world. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's it's uh yeah, it's it's going well. We like each other a lot. We we really like each other actually. Is this marriage material? Yes, but I can't um I, nice. I I'd rather not talk about this on the podcast. No, obviously not. I was just Right, but you know. I will tell you <laughs> that yes, it is. Like, Good man. Like, Don't fuck it up. We're gonna cry for a long time and you'll have to do some you know spiritual growth some work on yourself you might go to the gym a little bit harder yeah. so just save yourself and then i got right and, and then just kill it, yourself well okay i can't do that but then it's, then it's like yeah and then i gotta listen to 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 tempest by tool on repeat you know and then i gotta <laughs> you're gonna fucking the night you guys break up you're gonna like go to your room and listen to a song and start crying you have yeah. to tell me what song that is and then we can review it dude i'm gonna listen to the you know what actually is a really good like motivation slash like just epic like breakup song which one um is like this the soundtrack to batman begins is oh my god it was really hard you're gonna listen to the batman begins soundtrack when you fucking get broken up with no, not necessarily that's not necessarily broken up <laughs> but just like when when i'm oh, in the need when i'm in need of like the the motivation kind of thing not like necessarily because i mean obviously i don't really have any experience with breaks up with, with breakups sorry but um that what I was that's what I was referring to. Just like the motivation, like just epicness, like rise from the fall, you know, and all that stuff. Are you gonna listen to the Joker soundtrack when you get cheated on? I haven't even like seen the movie yet, so I don't know if you like that movie. I, I was conflicted. I, uh, I kind of liked it, but also kinda didn't. <laughs> I guess I should watch it. But like just based on like from well, not even necessarily from what I've heard, because I didn't really listen to much of like I mean I heard like mixed things about it, but also it's like I don't know, like just based on like the way I see, like the way the movie looks, and just like this, the way the style seems to me, at least from the surface level, is I'm just like, eh, like I don't know, like there's just certain things where it's like, yeah, I just don't really feel like that's something I need to spend my money and time on, you know. Um, I will say it is very different to any other, you know, Batman. Bat- I don't even think Batman is even in that movie. Or he is at, like, the end. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But, like, it's a very different style than any other DC movie that I've seen. It's a totally different... It's not even, like, a superhero movie. It's more right. of a... I heard it's, like... It's more of a depressing movie than it is a <laughs> comic book movie. Yeah, I heard it, it actually, like, it just... it, it uh, Like, I've heard it, it, it... It's really good at not relying on, like, just it being the Joker... And like it's just like it's a comic book movie, right? Like it's it's like just an actual whole, like yeah. psychological thriller on its own, and it's really—I mean, that's what I hear. The whole point of the movie is the the whole theme of it is a guy that gets bullied for having a disorder, and then he slowly loses his mind until he becomes the Joker. But the whole movie is him just getting shit on and tragedy after tragedy until he just finally snaps. That's kind of the premise of the movie. So like, I like it for that reason, but I also think that it's very heavy winded throughout the entire thing so it's like if you can't already guess what's going to happen then you're you know <laughs> then you really might enjoy it more i've, I've heard self-explanatory yeah i've heard people say that um i hear joaquin is fantastic i don't i've never actually like i don't even 
I don't even know because like when I hear you know when I when I think like when someone says Heath Ledger Joker, I have the character in my mind. I know what he sounds like. I know his mannerisms, right? But like I'm thinking like I haven't even like really seen a clip of him where like I hear his voice and how he is as the Joker. So I I don't even know because I hear oh yeah. So he did phenomenal. I he and it's it's a totally different character because I and this is because the whole fucking movie is about his life. So obviously you're gonna have a more humanizing look at the Joker. He's not like a He's not an over-exaggerative character like, you know, like Heath Ledger's Joker. He was the character. Like, you couldn't really see into his fucking mind. He was just unpredictable. And then, obviously, Jared Leto's hipster fucking Joker was just ridiculous that for no was reason. so stupid. So bad. That was just I haven't dumb. even seen the movie, but, like, I've seen clips of it. I'm like, okay, that's bad. Like, that is... It's awful. It, it looks stupid. His voice is stupid. Like, that's not the Joker. What the... Yeah, and I will admit the second movie is actually pretty good. It's a lot more hilarious, but the first movie is fucking awful. Yeah, I I have Um, not seen either. But in this movie, he's like a normal guy. He loves his mom. He has a laughing disorder. Like, that's how he laughs a lot. He's just, whatever, he's nervous. So, like, he got, you know, bullied and ostracized for that. He was a failing comedian. um, Stuff like that. So, like, he... It, it really was, he was supposed to be like a normal guy trying to live a normal life. And he was, a uh, what the fuck? He was a clown for something. He was, he was part of some company that hired clowns to do stuff like parties and entertainment and all that shit. So like he had, it was a very, it was a very real movie. It wasn't like an overdramatic comic book, dark movie like DC's known for. So right. that, in, in that regard, it was different to anything they've ever done, but Again, it might be kind of heavy-winded for a lot of people, but I kind of enjoyed it. Right, and then later in the movie, he becomes a reborn Christian and tries to convert Gotham City <laughs> to Christianity. In a way, he is, except he was God. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> so it was I his see. religion. <laughs> I see. Well, yeah, because isn't it yeah, just wanted, like anarchy and stuff like that? Yeah, he wanted just the destruction of everything because the whole world, and that's why the 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 local news outlets and really national news outlets were like, "Oh, this is the incel movie. This is the movie that's going to cause so many mass shootings because it's about the lone wolf that's ostracized by society and like, then he has no, to take those revenge people by killing can everyone." Just stop talking, please. I'm like, yeah. you are literally like, this movie is going <laughs> to incite violence, and it's like literally the only stuff yeah. that would come is literally just because you're saying that. Like if you don't talk about that, if, then like no one would even like care. It's just it's just a movie, you know. Like, and that's yeah, and that's that's kind of the the point. And like it's that's what the whole movie's about, you know, taking revenge on the people that wronged him. And you know, that's it's a movie the Columbine shooters probably would have liked and related to, especially back in that day. So right. that's why. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> yeah, what uh, Joaquin is very good. I like. Have you seen the movie Her? Uh, no. But is that the one where he's transgender or some shit? No, it's, like, the... It's the one where, like, it's set kind of in, like, the near future, which I think at literally this point in this year, we're probably in that, that year that the movie was set in. Um, <laughs> where it's, like, 2020-something. Remember, like, back when it was, like, 20, like, 12, and so 2013, it's, like, 2020. You know, it's, like, it's like some, like, yeah. like apocalyptic, like, year. Yeah, the dystopian times of eight years later. Right, it's like, oh, everything is just stupid now. It's not that everything is dystopian, it's just stupid, right? But, um, so, it's like the... So, Joaquin Phoenix's character, 
works for like some company. I don't know what it is, but like he, it's some like Google kind of corporation like that. But so they have this new like AI software and he falls in love with the AI, but it's, it's not done in like the cringe way and cliche way. Right. It's actually like really kind of touching in a way. It's also kind of incel but it yeah. is yeah because jo- joaquin joaquin <laughs> is kind of incel but i guess he just likes those characters yeah it's just i mean because when you look at all the characters he plays that's that's what he is i mean i don't know if he's not like that in real life but <laughs> there was a moment when this movie back when it first came out i think it was on jimmy kimmel i think it was jimmy kimmel because jimmy kimmel is a master of like having no work done he just gets everything handed to him and he still fumbles the fucking ball so there is a clip that Joaquin Phoenix did not know was released and it was a scene about he was in a he was in some very taxing scene and he was getting frustrated and he was like shouting at the director or shouting at whoever's trying to coach him through it and it was a clearly an embarrassing moment and it's one that he really didn't want out to the public but somehow Kimmel got this footage and showed it to him kind of like in a gotcha moment you know he, you know kind of backhanded he is he's like he's not funny so he has to do he has to get situationally funny things to put people on the spot to kind of take away how much talent he doesn't have kind of he's like that kind of guy he tries to get it's like Ozzy Osbourne he tries to get better people in the room to make himself better kind of thing yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's not so, he's not funny He's a fucking hack. Anyway, he pulls up this clip, and then Joaquin Phoenix is sitting there like, oh, you know, sometimes when you make movies, tensions flare. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed about this. Like, he had to explain why he lost his cool on a fucking movie set. It was pretty funny. (laughs) Nice. I remember when Bill Burr was on Jimmy Kimmel, and he just totally shit on him. He was like... I like how you yeah. try to act like you care, Jimmy, and like you just saw like Jimmy Kimmel like just trying to like maintain his sanity. Yeah, like not deal. Out of all of them, he's definitely the fucking worst. Yeah, no, because I I think Jimmy Fallon can be funny. Um, he's definitely more likable, and obviously yeah. he can think of more good stuff on the spot. I think Conan is probably the best out of all of them because I think Conan is more naturally funny. I I don't think he's. I personally don't think he's funny, but he is definitely the most entertaining out of the three of them. I think, I think Jared Leto, I'm not Jared Leto. Jay Leno is just Jay Leno. He's just whatever. I, I think Jimmy Fallon's the best one. Like he's the he he does he can do some funny stuff like physically, like when he dances and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they're both entertaining. I I think Conan gets. I think Conan's a better interviewer, which is weird to say because he doesn't really ask any posing, you know, intricate, you know thought-provoking questions but he gets his like the way that he is gets actors to say more provoking stuff than i think fallon does yeah um because like i i every every like i don't watch a ton of them because i don't really give a shit but some like if i watch a movie or a show that's really popular and i like and i I watch with the actor i like how people like same thing with musicians how they made their music like actors and they're talking about how they came up with a scene that they did or a character or whatever and i feel like i've watched a lot of those on conan Okay. Like little clips here and there. I don't watch. I don't watch fucking primetime TV. I've just seen like the YouTube. Yeah, clips. yeah. The YouTube clips can be nice sometimes because they're just short and it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. Um. Yeah, oh. So no, the worst is James Corden. Sorry. Oh god. Well, yeah. That's not even a comparison. <laughs> Do you know? Didn't he get like he gave some... the world carpool karaoke? I want to fucking murder that man just for that. Not the fact that he's just like a entitled brat that people in the industry just hate 
Like, there's no, I don't think there's anyone that likes James Corden. Everyone fucking hates him. Well, like, yeah, because didn't he get some, like, like, charges or something for, like... Yeah, he got assault charges. He's rude to everyone. He's fucking fake as shit. Like, he's the stereotypical Hollywood fucking brat. Ah, Like, all about status and title. And he even admitted it. Like, he, he knows he has a problem with it. He just won't ever fucking fix it. Really? Yeah, he's, he's self-aware, but probably only self-aware so people can be like oh good for him <laughs> yeah but god he's a fucking cock like no i i can't sing i can't find a single person that likes james corden no like everyone he's worked with says he fucking hates him and all the staff that's worked underneath of him just, just say all the dumb shit that he would do and obviously most of it is you know you know hearsay or whatever but still like no one likes the guy <laughs> so there has to be some validity um, I, I know we kind of disagree. I don't like Jay, uh, what's his name? Stephen Colbert. He's terrible. I don't really like Stephen Colbert either. But you, I remember you said like that, like he's still kind of playing like a character and he's like decent at that. But even so. He's good at playing a character. I just don't like the character. Well, right. And also like he just, he has a really punchable face. He does. Yeah. Um, uh, I also the thing is that like it's very difficult to play a satirical character, and I think he used to do it a lot better. The more political bias he got, the less funny and the more forced he became. But like he wasn't always like that. Um, obviously, he was more left leaning, but he it just over the years it just well, they, that was his they crutch. all are. But like I think Jimmy Fallon, like I just I don't hear the politics come out as much, you know. Yeah. Whereas like. Like Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel are just clearly like, they're just outlets for like the the politicians to say stuff. I think the best example, and I don't know because it's been a while since I listened to him, but the one of the more, I, I think he's more of a moderate, but I guess I, he considers himself more left leaning. But I think he's more moderate. John Stewart. I was gonna. Say, I don't really know anything about it. I've never. Se- I know who he is. I've never really watched any of his stuff. The most. The, the most famous one is John Stewart. He's standing, he's talking in front of Congress and he was trying to, it was, he was trying to get a bill passed about to raise more funds for the survivors of 9-11 that had cancer and a bunch of other health problems due to being first responders or whatever. And Congress just kept not giving money towards it at all. And he made a very passionate speech about how angry he was about it. So that was a pretty good watch. Um, so he definitely seems to be more involved, not just like a, he doesn't seem like he was a guy paid by the news media to spread bullshit. Like he truly was passionate and truly meant what he said whenever he talked about stuff. And obviously he was kind of entertaining, but he was the more serious out of all of them. And I think he made better points. That's just, I feel like he was more moderate than most people are today. Okay. Well, I guess, I mean, yeah, like but I said, yeah. I've never seen his stuff, but I mean, I hope that's true. Um, yeah. John Stewart was cool. Trevor Noah is pretty bad. Trevor Noah is disappointing because his I liked his comedy specials because he was a guy like I if you can make comedy that's clean, funny that's that's pretty impressive. You don't have to do any sort of shock value like you generally right. can make up. Funny he is stuff, good at that. As soon as he got on the when he, as soon as he got on the Daily Show, then no, he just went downhill. Oh but yeah, his, his old comedy specials were great. Um, yeah, who else like the what's oh Bill Meyer? He's really good. I like him. He's funny. I never watched too much of him. He's funny, like. <laughs> Um, he's, I mean, obviously people are accusing him now. Cause like, I mean, he's one of those people like Joe Rogan where it's like, 
they're traditionally and and still are so like pretty left wing right but it's like just because of like certain things they said that aren't left wing label is right right and and, he, and he's literally <laughs> yeah. like bill Murray's like 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 he literally had this guy on his show like welcome to the republican party and he's like i don't want to join the republican party like stop like <laughs> he's like i am a liberal he just thinks that like the the political left in like 2023 has just gotten like out of hand which is like i mean, I mean even well that, that's the, people that have more like left-leaning ideologies even like because there's a difference between people that are left-leaning and the people that are legitimate liberals or yeah, exactly truly like the democratic party like i i feel like most people don't even like either of them they have their own ideas of how the government should be run but like well, i right i so don't know that many people like I don't, I don't know liberals that love hillary clinton or that love biden they all hate them well, well they just hate trump more right <laughs> exactly well, because it's like there's like, the political ideology and then there's the party, right? So it's like it can yeah. get confusing because it's like he thinks like the actual Democratic Party is just insane at this point. They are. Like you, like I said, you don't even have to be right wing to realize that. Exactly. And that's his whole point. And he's like, guys, like I'm because they're like, you've become more conservative. And he's like, no, I'm just I think that the, the left is just crazier. I've, he's like he says this himself. He's like I've stayed the same. I just think that the Democratic Party has just gotten more insane. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because like the people that I grew up with, I never grew up with like the Hillary for feminism. I grew up with like the free healthcare Bernie Bros and shit, or like you know like those kind of left wing people. I I've never met like, you know, <laughs> you know those people that like stand fucking RBG and like the Supreme Court and all that shit. They're they're like, oh, trust your democratic process, or we have to stop Trump. Like I I don't know any of those type of left wing people. Like I said, they're all like weed smoking socialist Bernie guys or Bernie girls. But yeah, it's funny to know that, like the, the the spectrum right of yes, like it is a spectrum of like the right fucking autistic spectrum it, exactly of like the political views and everything right. Because yeah. there's, like, so many liberal stereotypes, and there's so many, like, conservative stereotypes, too. And, like, caricatures, which I don't think are always true, but... Um... I, and I, actually, I know a lot of... It's weird, man. I fucking know a lot of people on both sides. Like, my parents are more, like... How do I describe and you it? Like I feel like these days... They're kind of right-wing, but, like, not... My parents are, but, like, they... Back in the day, they were more like the the traditional like fiscal conservatism, blah 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 blah. But now they're just like paranoid rednecks. Okay. Because <laughs> like I think after Trump and then like my mom never voted for anybody before Trump, and she's like in her sixties. Like that was the first person, first president she ever voted for in her life. So after he got in office, she started getting into it and started watching, you know, the guys with herbal supplements, you know, and snapbacks, you know, yelling and (laughs) from a YouTube channel, all that shit. So it just got to the point where it's weird. Then I know like a bunch of old school rednecks be like, man, the world's changing too quick. I don't know about all this kind of people. And then I have like the young, like suit wearing conservative people like we have to go back to traditional values. So like I just it's just a fucking stupid I've talked about it in nauseam, but just God. Oh, so <laughs> I like Bill Meyer because, like, I mean, he has, like, a lot of the viewpoints I do, right? Because he's just, like, this is just, like, common sense. Because he's, like, the whole, like, stuff that the left pushed, like, like the whole concept of, like, pregnant men. He's, like, are you serious? Like, this isn't, like, 
this isn't me being like a Nazi saying that that's like not something that should be taught in science class because that doesn't exist, right? Or like, um, uh, so that's that's probably his his claim to right wingism. That's like I said, there, no, but he is <laughs> he has a bunch of stuff. Like he's talked about that. Like he, I mean, obviously he doesn't think that like little kids should be um be able to transition and stuff like that. He doesn't like he doesn't think. Like he 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 doesn't like all the woke stuff with like the cancel culture. Like he believes in free speech and he's very adamant about that. Like he even like even like a bunch of like um right wing people were mad about Whoopi Goldberg about this stuff she said about the Holocaust. He's like, bro, like we can say whatever we want. Like it's just she just said something. Like you know, I forgot about that. She got in that little controversy. A I I ago. did kind of get mad because what she said was really fucking stupid um what did she i can't what did she say i can't remember she said that the holocaust was not about race and i'm like yeah no i think that's that's literally what it was about (laughs) did she say what it was about uh like what she thought it was about well trying to remember because she said it's like the holocaust wasn't about race you couldn't tell who was jewish well i mean in a con in a lot of situations you kind of really fucking could tell who was jewish um yeah they made a whole chart about their noses yeah it, exactly <laughs> well okay granted i know so because like the ashkenazi jews i'm not serious by the way <laughs> no but that that's true they had those charts but like <laughs> no i know i just <laughs> well also but the, it's interesting though because like in in some situations that's true because like the ashkenazi jews are like a mix of like the eastern jewish from long ago like they're like that mixed with like german Obviously, like, you know, some Jews look more Middle Eastern, right? And then some Jews look more German, right? So, like, Jeff... I get it, man. I got a, I got a big nose. I would have been killed back then. Right, I but know what it's like. right, but then, like, the, you know, <laughs> but, like, there, there's some people when you look at them and you're like, okay, that's... I, Hitler, like, I, I like I can see who he's... T- I'm not, like, I understand what, like, his point is, but, like, I can see who it is that he is identifying, right, when he's talking about the Jewish race. But then there's some Jews where it's like, Wait, you're the people Hitler killed, aren't y'all like the same people? <laughs> yeah, some people it's hard to tell. Right, but, but like, what, um, so what was the main point? Like, so if it wasn't about race, what was it about? I'm pretty like just like religion or something. Um, okay. because like she was. I mean, whatever. No, but people just got mad because, um, like a lot of Jews because like she was basically just saying, oh, Jews are just like white people. And like a lot, a lot of Jews have a problem with people saying that. I think it's just, I mean, obviously, like, they didn't just kill Jewish people. It was, you know, handicapped people, gypsies, other ethnic minorities. Like, it... Catholics, too. And... It was just people... Really? Yeah, no, and Slavs as well. I mean, they're... Oh, yeah, they hate the fucking Slavs. Right, it was just... I do, too, so it's okay. Right, because, like, Hitler talks about (laughs) the races and everything in Mein Kampf and how, like, (laughs) there's, like, the superior, like, Germanic European... Or I don't know if it was Germanic specifically, but he's, like, there's, like, the superior european race and then there's like everything else and he has like the whole like tiers right and then the jew is like the bottom tier um i mean so like i i get her point i think i mean objectively i think it's very ignorant to say that the holocaust was not about race it's like the same thing when people say the civil war wasn't about slavery like it totally fucking was obviously there are millions of other factors other things but it's like yeah it it, it was i mean yeah 
Yeah, but so, um, like I guess her point was like like everybody focuses on the race aspect, but there's probably other indications that you know were present during the Holocaust that are ignored and are pretty important too. Well, right, and so a lot if of she said it that way. I would have that would have made more sense, but well, right, I don't but, give a fuck. but I, but yeah, that is pretty dumb. I mean, she, <laughs> right? I mean, she might have talked about that, and that's what a lot of people say, and like a lot of people, like you know. Like, Jews um, might get upset. I mean, I have to, but I'm like, okay, I'll listen to what this. You know, a lot of people are like, okay. Like, obviously, all of these ideologies are based in some sort of truth, right? That some people observe in reality, right? So it's like, why would Hitler want to kill all the Jews? So, like, when you look at what was going on in Germany at the time, right? Like, most of, like, all of, like, the banks and all the whatever stuff was owned by Jews. Now, the question is, like... Uh, whether or not that's right or wrong that's whatever but that's just what hitler saw and he's like this is wrong we want everything to be german we i don't want all of like the composers in the court to be jewish i want them to be german i want all like the teachers i don't want any like most of the university professors are all jewish he's like no i want them to be german um and uh, i think the biggest point was the the blaming them for the loss for germany's loss in world war one I. I think that was the major i bunch think of th- i mean that's, that's probably one- the most of it I, mean, I don't know if I'll say that's the most, but that's a big thing, right? Yeah, because that caused Germany's major fucking depression. Like that's what unified Germany was. They needed a, they needed a, a guy to bring everyone together and find someone to blame for that. That fucking that destroyed the entire country. Right. Um. Well, exactly. And then all the other race stuff kind of came secondary. You kind of keep steamrolling. You keep picking things until it eventually becomes the Holocaust. But I think you know if they didn't lose World War One. Well, right. But, well, I would so, make the argument if Germany did not lose World War One, they probably would have not have had the Holocaust. Yeah, no, that's I, I that's, feel that's like a pretty fair, that would probably, fair assessment. Yeah, but yeah, like I think that's the main reason that it, all, all it all. Obviously, Hitler probably had other reasons because you know Jews have been a scapegoat for thousands of years, the punching bags of the fucking world, right? So I'm sure before that, Hitler's probably had some kind of thoughts, and then after losing the war. And that's who he decided to blame, and that's how he got other people to kind of bandwagon on him with. Like that's probably the main reason. Oh, and right, and it's like okay, yeah, like there is some truth about like what certain Jews did at the time. But the problem, as we all know, is like okay, now we're gonna kill everyone who's related to you. It's like okay, now that that's obviously where it goes too far. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously he didn't stop the Jews, but still. No, but I mean. He, yeah, but I mean, he killed a bunch of them. But um, no, I know. Yeah, no, I'm not. So, yeah, I know, yeah. You I know you know. <laughs> um, that was just kind of. <laughs> I do. Yeah, but um, yeah, but no, but Bill Meyer, like, he's funny. He he said like the, he said like the taboo stuff about like slavery and how he's like guys like literally, the whole world had slavery before like, America and like britain stopped like they literally those were the first countries to stop it and like how he's like anyone like in the time like it didn't matter what race you were like had slaves just if you could because that's just what people did back then because like a lot of people have this like concept that like slavery is like like like, when we talk about it's like exclusive to the u.s or like the western world sometimes people apply to it's like no it was literally everywhere what I think is the most it's not even about slavery because there's different types of slavery and sure a lot exactly of, like, there, is, there is aspects of American slavery that is unique to it but sure. I think the most sure. like and I've listened to this aspect a lot and especially like if you don't understand ancient history like there's no white people 
in Africa, in the Middle East, in that part for, you know, a lot, thousands of years before white people supposedly came out of the Caucasus Mountains, whatever, whatever the fuck, right? Like, there have been genocides, just total wipeout of cultures and tribes for thousands of years on top of different types oh, yeah. of slavery. So it's, yeah. it's it's not even, it's so ignorant to say that white people created slavery and genocide. No, he's exactly. And it's so ignorant. Also, it's like, and people get mad when you say it's human nature, but no, it, it literally is human nature. Greed, power, and psychopathy. That's what we're good at. Right. For thousands of years. Right. Before fucking, you know, before Britain was even a concept. Exactly. Or like the, like, you know, like. Or Europe in general. Right. Or like white people invented like colonialism. And it's like, well, I mean, no, because it's like, well, look at like just the, the Islamic world. Look at China and like all the colonies they had and like Vietnam. It's like. People have, like, different humans have done awful things to different humans, like, since the beginning of time. Like, we're all culpable of that. Dude, you look at every empire. Would they just magically get along? No, they fucking took that shit and they expanded their empire. Yeah, some people traded, but that doesn't mean they didn't fucking wipe out right. just total cities to get that. Like, that's... Any, any, or like any, the, nobody's or like fucking the, free. No one's innocent. Every single fucking empire on planet Earth has conquered land. How do you conquer land? You fucking kill, burn, loot, and rape. Right? Is that like? I mean, it's 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 like the whole like and rebuild. I mean, I've had arguments with people like about like you know Christian empires where it's like convert or die, and it's like okay, literally any time a human culture takes over another human culture. It, assimilate right you assimilate <laughs> or die right because it makes sense that it's like we rule now you have to do what we do i mean obviously whether or not that's not right or wrong is was whatever but it's like also it's like okay you can't just say one person is completely good and innocent and pure and beautiful whereas like these other people are just these ugly fat gross like evil colonizer people like that's that's just that's false right and bill and bill myers like yeah like this whole leftist view of the world is just like not true. Yeah. And honestly, like they do have a fair point, like throughout recent history, like colonialism, slavery, all that shit, like the people in power today probably wish that we could go back to that time because they're just evil motherfuckers in power. So oh, yeah. I don't have a problem when people criticize governments or people criticize the validity of history or the whitewashing of history or, or you know, pointing out what is pointing out like the inaccuracies of the stuff that we learned like that's all fine but the fact that they're making it like an ideology where it's like it's inherent whiteness that causes you to be genocidal is insane it's, yeah, it's like when it, like, when it becomes such a dogma, like like that's when I'll, i'm like it's you you uh, can you can think like hmm i don't really like i, I i'm kind of questionable about like western civilizations like attitude towards this or that or like you know colonization or religion or whatever but it's like where it's like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I like this or that. That's kind of bad. As opposed to like, no, it's literally inherently evil and everything. And like, you have this whole set of beliefs. It's like, you have to, believe, you know, it's like, it's literally like a mythos. And it's like, that's, that's like a new religion. It's like the whole like anti like Western civilization, white Christian people thing. It's really bad. Like I said, there's plenty of things to criticize everyone for, right? So it's like I don't have a problem with criticism. I don't have a problem with positive change. So it's yeah, like getting do I, out yeah. the people. The problem is there's never going to be a replacement of someone better. Doesn't matter what fucking color or race they are. Everybody's going to be greedy and fucking do the same shit covertly or overtly. Like it's never going to change. Like like humans, we've been on this planet 
for what less than two hundred thousand years, sixty thousand years as caveman, whatever the fuck, uh-huh. it has mildly gotten better, right? So like we can it's look at things from a modern better. context and have a modern concept of like this is wrong, this is good. Some of these lines are blurred, but like there is still murder, there is still genocide. They just don't fucking talk about it because it it's geopolitical. So there's alliances that can't be broken, so they can't fucking report on it. Mainly China and what they're doing to Muslims mainly russia and what they're doing to gay people like the shit never fucking stops and i'm tired of people pretending like protesting or electing people that are not white is gonna fix everything it's like yeah you look at like politicians like aoc she's a fucking grifter and she like ever like she sucks every she's in congress everything that she you know got every every point that she got people to vote for her for she went against she's a fucking like political moderate she didn't give a fuck about whatever. She just wanted to have a seat in Congress and just told people what they wanted to hear. It's the same thing. Every single, like, it's just bureaucracy. That's just how it goes. No matter what color you are, you're fucking greedy and you want power and you'll fucking rape and kill whoever you will to get there. Like, yeah. it's, I hate this idea. I really do. And Dang. it sucks because, like, once there are no white people left, you know, in 500 years, God forbid we're still on this planet, everybody's going to be pretty much the same color, like light brown, dark olive, whatever the fuck, right? Bigger heads, bigger eyes. <laughs> like, there's not going to be that many separation of races of people a couple hundred years down the line. And guess what? There's still going to be murders. There's still, they're, we're not going to be more enlightened ever. Yeah, that's like the 1984 um, kind of view of the world where it's like there's no longer any, like, differentiation of like anything you know like like men and women wear the same clothes they have like the same hairstyles we all like kind of just all look the same like there's no different races like we're all just like just these like just blobs <laughs> you know yeah and they're still gonna kill each other we're gonna find something we're gonna the golden sneeches you know star badges stripes no stripes doesn't fucking matter you're gonna fucking divide and conquer tribalism's never going away it's you know People's race goes away. People's religions go away. Money is going to be the next thing. There's always going to be economic classes, poor, rich, like ruling class, working class. That's never going to stop ever. Yeah. Um, my brother actually visited me this weekend. He brought this up. We were talking about like the boomers. He thinks like the biggest mistake that the boomers made and we could go off all like a billion years of like what the boomers did wrong. Right, but he thinks like the biggest like difference between like the boomers and like the the silent generation and like the greatest generation or whatever they were called is that like the the previous two that I just mentioned, like the latters, they had a tragic view of humanity. Of obviously, like, you know, you can save all of this stuff and like find like you can still find peace and tranquility and prosperity through like Christianity and whatnot and a traditional religion, right? Um or like Judeo-Christianity, I guess, in in the general sense, like Judeo-Christian values. But at the end of the day, like, there's just certain things that, like, as as a as a species, like human beings, just can't do, you know, just because either like just it's just it it's too risky, like just the ramifications, like you know, giving like these like certain people power, like it's just like yeah, it's it's just too much. It's not worth it like we can just work with what we have whereas like the boomers are like no we need to like stop at any cost to achieve like x thing that we want right so or or that we believe to be benefiting society right and it's like everyone is like in the boomer mindset like everyone is like like because community just kind of just dissoluted and it just got destroyed like it just the boomers just became so individualistic about everything so it's like 
it it was like everyone is almost like the like you're you're the character of your own story right and it's like you want you want to be a hero you don't want to be a villain you you want to have a comedy not a tragedy so you're just you're just gonna like you're the hero you're gonna win you think that whatever you're doing what whatever your opinions are as a boomer like you just think whatever you're doing is like of just acknowledging what is good or bad is just like you're the hero and like you win essentially yeah and i i i was talking to you about last time george carlin's take on the boomers right yeah i think you are you mentioned like a little thing he said i don't remember about like yeah, so the same thing that most young people say is that they're entitled. They acted the same way we did, and they forgot about that, and then they became so. He basically his whole point was like they were entitled. They had all the drugs and all the rock and roll, and then when they got older and they got fatter, they got more self righteous. Like he just went, these boomers went from do your own thing to just say no. You know, it's in their slogans: work hard, play hard, life sucks, get over it. <laughs> so yeah, they're the boomers are a very entitled fucking they're they really are stupid like you, you, i talk to people that are much older than me they're really fucking retarded like not because they're old and they don't understand the way the world works just they're just genuinely dumb yeah like for real my my brother brought up to me that like really the only people who use ipads at this point are like boomers <laughs> <laughs> like how hard is it to fucking like I, I constantly try to learn new things every day. These people don't want to fucking do anything. They're so lazy. They're fucking entitled. They're whiny. Like, well, they're just fucking awful. You, um, funny enough you say that, I, I watched... And Gen Z people are like that too, but I feel like Gen Z and boomers are the same type of shit. And I'm technically Gen Z, it's but... Just I was... too, no, <laughs> Gen Z and boomers are just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. But any, yeah, so like, I watched this video documenting the boomers and what they did wrong and like how it happened and like what was like the cause and effect and everything. So like not only like, so a big part of it comes from like their, I, I forgot the the name of this guy. He's really good. Um, I'll, I'll put, I'll put the name of him in the description. Uh, Cause I, I'll, I can just find the video. He says like, so they were the first generation to have television like regularly available right and it just that just kind of started like the process of like just the dumbing down of our of our intellectual capacity as a society right because he they especially watching the commercials they did and all that fucking bullshit right Uh uh-huh and also right because he's saying like just because like looks like the tv destroyed community and it also like it just made us dumber right because like the more tv you watch is not this equivalent to like the more reading you do right so he said like there was no real like boomer like intellectual you know that we could all like think of like yeah that was like a great mind or that was like a great man like the boomers didn't <laughs> right no but like when when you think of like great men and like great things that great men did, you know like george washington or like you know frederick Douglass and stuff like that that actually were like chads and did great things like there was no one like that in the bo- in the boomers because like everything was already done for them so they're like yeah like we can just like we can have whatever we want because just you know that's the how they were raised and stuff like that um and also it's like because they like were right in the aftermath of world war ii and like the whole like se- like sentiment against like the nazis and everything where it's like, I mean, yeah, obviously the Nazis are terrible, but it's like they, as the video explains how like 
they view the Nazis as like the ultimate evil, right? In like the black and white sense, but like they don't actually like they they just say that without actually taking a look at what the Nazis have to say, right? And they just they don't like they don't look at them as people and they just they're very judgmental, right? And being, the, the boomers are just so judgmental about everything. Yeah. You know, like all all of like the stupid sex drugs rock and roll, like all those people like I mean I I, no, but what's so annoying to me is all that stuff is like still around, like all the punk culture. I'm like, can this just stop? Like, and, but like, what's what's just so funny is like they're convinced, like like the whole, but like, because because that's the thing, like with the whole boomer stuff and everything they did, it's like with the other generations, like it kind of just was like the same, and all those same problems keep persisting, right? Because everything they criticize that we do, that's what they did. It's like, yeah, I know, but it's like we can do this like all the stuff that i believe generally speaking i feel like is like so anti-boomer and so anti against like the whole boomer view of reality and i just feel like the opposite of what i believe in in a sense is the boomer stuff like all of the stupid punk stuff and everything because all of them think that they're going against the boomers but it's like no in reality you're literally following in their footsteps yeah i mean it's just being subjugated to whatever bullshit rhetoric that you want to believe in and I think the difference because I, I, I think you if you have a mindset to be a little bit open minded and at least learning something. So like I could say something that you know is dumb or is can can like any like I, I could have a belief that could not be true or it could be you know a form of rhetoric in itself. Right? I don't hold on to it. Like I, I tell myself like I want to learn something new and like if I'm wrong about something like then I don't care about it. I want to like, like it's fine to fix it. Like I, I don't. I don't feel like I'm a constant, like I'm never going to change. Like I, I feel like that's what like just deteriorates your brain. That's why everyone has fucking Alzheimer's because you don't actively do any critical thinking or it's why like people like, Oh, you know, play Sudoku, do some word puzzles, you know, play chess, do something to actively work your fucking brain. I'm okay with that. If you're like (laughs) 70 to like 90. (laughs) Right. But if you're like only, (laughs) if you're like only 50 and doing that, like, bro, (laughs) Yeah, like my whole point is like like the boomers grew up in such a propagated time. Well, not propagated, like they artificial just an era of artificial. Yeah, it was just think- they were just fed bullshit. Like they were fed misinformation. Doctors were recommending cigarettes. Like it was just, it was it was just fucking. It's just not a good time to be smart. And the people that were were like few and far between, or they just they're too smart and they just want to fuck over the general public. Like they found their way in government or corporations. They could use their intelligence to, you know rule over the retarded boomers of the day but nowadays like it's not hard to learn new shit and open your mind it's just not like we grew up in the digital age we had access to so much information but we also have access to a lot of dangerous shit and life moves quicker than life did back then right so like there's more stuff that we have to worry especially with inflation like life is not as good as it was in terms of money right so like everybody's more stressed out so it's like we have more problems we have to navigate than they ever did and I feel like people are, as much as people are struggling, like the few that can really persist through, like there's a reason why they do that. Because, you know, you can be a product of whatever time you're from, but you also can, like it, at, at some point there is no excuse because you're just stubborn and your willingness to reject new things is always going to hunt you down. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like the... My favorite, you ever see that video of like um, the, all of these fucking old boomers are just like, 
slowly tapping on the slot machine buttons. There's like a fucking ten of them in a line. They're just like they look like zombies. Uh, the, fucking... the boomers. <laughs> yeah, they fucking love slot machines. <laughs> it's like, and that's the thing. It's like that is like your money's going down the fucking drain. It's like the boomers that play the lottery. It's like the boomers that think fast food is good. Like it's just. <laughs> It's just so ignorant. Like, they just live in ignorance. Boomers are just boomers, man. Like, even, like, just the name. Like, it's just a meme. Like, it sounds like something that you make fun. Like, just kind of the boomers, you know? Yeah. And obviously, there's a bunch of unenlightened, ignorant people at any age group. You know, that's that's more of you being an American than you being old. <laughs> really. <laughs> but it's just, God, man. And I remember the when I worked in restaurants, the worst, the fucking worst. And I'm not the I'm not alone. Like you go on Reddit and you look at forums, like it's pretty much in agreement. The worst crowd to take care of was like the after service, after church service brunch boomer crowd. Oh my god, they were the fucking worst. Yeah, boomers. It's like <sighs> just the fucking dude, the absolute worst. I don't know if you. I mean, McDonald's doesn't really count, but like if you. Or like a server, like you actually wait on tables. Boomers are and, always, like in the drive-through. The boomers oh are all. It's God. like, bro. God, the boomers are just like, oh, I hate the boomers, dude. And like I know I I can't hate anybody, right? But it's like, if you're gonna hate anybody, you're gonna hate the boomers. Do they go out of their way to be a pain in the ass? Right, and it's like. It is in, it is incredible. Like at some point, I'm like I really have to wonder. Like, do you do this on purpose because you're miserable? Or are you really just that dumb? Right. I think they're just miserable. I mean, I hope because yeah. they have no life's purpose. Like they thought their life's purpose was to work and consume. That's it. Exactly. No, but it's and it's like that's the same thing that they just brought down to our generation, where a lot of people think that's just yeah. like what you got to do, or it's that, or it's just sex, drugs, and rocks and roll. Like, there's no actual, like, great ideal to aspire to, you know? And also, I cannot stand what the boomers did to, like, the clothing and everything and how we don't wear nice clothes anymore. And they started all this stupid bullshit with just the t-shirt and shirt. I'm like, can we just... The life is good shirts and the Crocs. All that, just anything, like, just <laughs> it's just the, the whole just decline of dress and how everything is just not as... as like formal and everything and i'm like i obviously you don't have to wear like a three-piece suit and a trench coat like i do but it's like even like you know even like even if you weren't rich like if you're just some working class dude you'd still have like a suit you wear to to church or like you'd still like even like your saturday clothes or whatever just you'd wear like a vest or like something nice like i mean i still try to do that because i'm just trying to be not like as boomer as i possibly can well also i have the benefit of actually liking those clothes and I just, I think I look good in them, but I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, screw you boomers. I'm not wearing t-shirt and shorts anymore. Like you guys started this. I'm done. <laughs> That's such a boomer take. <laughs> well, you see what I'm saying though. In its own right. No, I know. I know. And like, I don't really give a shit about formal dress. Like, I don't think you need to be dressed nice on every single occasion. Like, but they are fucking slobs. But not, not like, nice. They're... Like, I guess just in a, in a way that just respect put some effort yeah in. like effort and it's like respect it's like effort. respectful right like because people just like don't have like like you know if you go to a certain place like especially like a church assuming it's like a nice church right like even like, like you're gonna want to wear like something that isn't a t-shirt and shorts right like if i if i was just like yeah. touring in europe and i'm not even observantly religious like i am 
like let's say, and I, I I'm, I'm going into the Vatican or like the St. Peter's Cathedral. Like I'm I'm gonna want to wear something like that's not t-shirt and shorts. Yeah, and you can, and you, and that's and, and it's actually kind of funny you bring up the Vatican because that's like how you could tell who's the most American because they have the fucking. Like, they're all fat as shit. They got the goddamn sunglasses that have the cord around their neck. They're always taking pictures, and they're fucking talking, even though you weren't supposed to. Like, they were... You could spot them a million miles away. It was really funny. The baseball caps, dude. Yeah, the fucking... <laughs> I cannot wear them. The fanny packs, the the Nike, the New Balance shoes, the fucking socks up to their ankles, or up to their uh, knees. Right, that's why I dress the way I do. Because I'm like, I... I'm like... I, the last thing I want is people to think I'm some like boomer American. Like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just. I'm not really one. <laughs> I would love. I'm not really one to talk though. I'm always in a band and t-shirt or band t-shirt and jeans though, whatever. Right. Or cargo shorts, but sure. still, I do dress nice when I have to. Like, if I'm going to court or a wedding or a funeral, blah 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 blah, Wait. or a church service. You know, like the most meme like boomer item of clothing. <laughs> it's like the. Like, is it the wine cup holder necklace? A, it's like this, like the the Nike Air Monarch thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, like or the New Balance, the New Balance long clippers. Yeah, like that is the most boomer fashion. Like, but <laughs> they tuck their shirt into their pajama pants. Yes, with <laughs> the walk, walk around like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> I understand, like at this point, like if, if you're old, if you're that old and you live in this country, like you probably just don't care anymore. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, right. Um, really, I guess I can commend them for that, but it's just I just cannot stand like just their absolute arrogance and like just to completely like just reject like everything that came before them. It's just uh, they ruined us, man. Yeah, they failed. Like they failed. Yeah. They literally failed yeah, at life. People... Like the boomers failed at life. It's always funny because I mean, obviously it's a generalization, right? But it's a very, <laughs> it's 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 an archetype for a reason, right? Stereotype for a reason. It's <laughs> the just boomer. there's so many people that act like that, dude. That's gonna be like a, obviously... like an archetype in like philosophy that we study like two thousand years from now. It's like the boomer. <laughs> I exemplify the boomer. Like no, I who wants to exemplify the boomers? No one does. Like the boomers don't even want to exemplify the boomers. You know what the the worst thing, and this is because this kind of pertains to my industry. I think the worst thing that the boomers peddle was this "made in America" bullshit. No, I never. Really I cannot that. stand. It's so. It's like. Obviously, there's the biggest, the bigger criticism is using slave labor in Asian countries to make shitty products, right? So their counter to that was to make shitty products in America because you can buy a cheap ass thing that'll break on you, but oh, it's made in America, so it's better than that shitty thing that's made in China. It's just I hate this sentiment that people just automatically assume that because it's made here, it's better. Well, I guess we're not. And they've definitely fucking peddled that bullshit because well, you get i'm sick of it. every time i see made in america i just i just don't want to buy it Well, because you get <laughs> you a... get the whole like feel good inside because you're not supporting the sweatshop kind of thing so 
Yeah, but you're still buying no, no. a shitty product I, that's overpriced. I like know, it's, it's I know. It's not a better solution. No, I, 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 I agree with you. I'm just pointing out like what the boomers are thinking. No, they don't give a fuck. Oh, they, it's, they don't care. <laughs> they only care because it took jobs from Americans overseas. That's why they care. They don't care because they care about slave labor. They don't give a fuck as long as they can get their goddamn... <laughs> like you said, they can play on their fucking iPad. They don't give a shit. God, like the boomers, man. They boomed it up. Like, they just, like... Like I know, like this is just wouldn't make any sense, but like I just I want to wear like one of those like old school like Western Europe kind of style clothing. You know what I'm talking about, like with those like kind of like they're almost those like bib sort of things and like the collar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Like, hold on. Like, look up. Hold on. You just want to have an excuse to dress in weird shit, Will. Well, I mean... Weird shit. Eh, okay, I guess. <laughs> you just want to be a contrarian. That's why you like it. Because no one else is wearing well, it. Well, no, but it's, I just think it looks cool. <laughs> like, all the clothes... You know, like, remember I was telling you about the clothing in Poldark? Yes. Yes, look up that right now. Like, just look up... Type in Poldark clothing. And just see the stuff that comes up. It's awesome. Like this, the, the the coats and the colors and the tricorn hats. They're really cool. Even like the peasant stuff looks cool. Like I would totally wear that. It's drip, dude. Pole dark costumes. Yeah, like, Let's see. It's on Etsy. So you can overpay for your costumes. They just look like... Months. Like Ellis Island fucking... <laughs> like, no, no. Tight, well... <laughs> You typed in costume? Let me see if that's any different than what I looked up. Um, I just typed in Poldark. I didn't type in costume. That's just what it came up on Etsy because it looked interesting. Oh, I see. I'm not I'm not seeing anything congruent, but they just look like Ellis Island fucking bandana on head dresses kind of shit. Oh, I see. Um, you ever see that thing? It's like the Polish color palette and it's just different shades of gray. Oh, really? <laughs> No, I... the building, the sky, the grass, no, no. all gray. No, no, I haven't seen that. Oh fuck! I want to wear oh. a tricorn hat. Like, please give it to me right now. Give me one of those cool. What do you call those like things that they put in their collar? It's so cool looking. Tricorn hat. Yeah, like like a fucking like like you're a like you're Paul Revere. Yes, just to fucking <laughs> what the fuck just to fucking this? see what I would look like. See, you could go like I'm telling you, you you would love Colonial Williamsburg. You can go down there. You can get your fucking you know f your fe your quail feathered pen, your tripoint hat. You can get that fucking hoop with a stick. You can roll down the street. You know, you can bang on your little drummer boy drum. You have a you have a fucking gay old time down there. Not even like necessarily the the tricorn hat, just like the actual suits that they wear and like the 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 coats. I just really think they look cool. <laughs> Can be Jack Sparrow. You want Jack Sparrow's hat? No. About the musketeer hat. He's got you know one of the brims pulled up to the side with the feather. No, I don't. It's not the full tortellini. No, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm generally speaking not very good at wearing hats. 
these kind of like I, I don't think I've ever seen someone unironically wear this hat. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just gonna pull up wearing a tricorn hat. <laughs> I, I'm gonna punch you in the face. I'm gonna get you fucking dick. Right. I'll send you a Colonel Jackass. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of like the clothing I'm referring to. Like I just I, I think it just looks excellent. But like it, it's like that kind of noble clothing where you have like those those knee socks all or it's yeah like you have almost like those knee socks with like they're solid white you know what i'm talking about and you have those pants yeah. that are like kind of short so you can see the socks and then you have those cool looking like things coming out of the collar and it's like really bro that's what i want to wear bro i'm telling you you gotta watch this channel called the gentleman's gazette on youtube it's like your it's classical fashion you'd fucking you cream your jeans over it i'm telling you probably dude why can't we just dress eloquently? Why can't we go back to the days of eloquence? Yeah, dude, but can we just wear? Can we just wear you like what? Robes? I wear robes. I want to walk around like a druid. That'd be fun. I'd carry a fog machine everywhere I went a too. Druid. But also, like, dude, my linen Nazarene robes are like super comfortable and insulating. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, it's kind of late. Um, I think two and a half hours is good. But uh, this was a good yeah, one. This I like was this, one. this was great. I like it. Yeah, man. All right. Well, hope everyone enjoyed. Nah. Good night. Bye.